May I have your attention, please? In the last few hours, we have learned that warships are coming this way from Earth. Their orders are to seize command of Babylon 5 by force. As commanding officer and military governor of Babylon 5, I cannot allow this to happen. President Clark has violated the Earth Alliance Constitution by dissolving the Senate, declaring martial law, and personally ordering the bombing of civilian targets on the Mars colony. He is personally responsible for the deaths of hundreds of innocent people. Following these attacks, Orion 7 and Proxima 3 have broken away from the Earth Alliance and declared independence. Babylon 5 now joins with them. As of this moment, Babylon 5 is seceding from the Earth Alliance. We will remain an independent state until President Clark is removed from office. At the end of this current crisis, anyone who wishes to leave for Earth is free to do so. Meanwhile, for your own safety, I urge everyone to stay in your quarters until this is over. That is all. The Council has lost its way. If it will not lead, if we have abandoned our covenant with Balin, the Council should be broken. As was prophesied. We must stand with the others now, before it's too late. Between the worker caste and the religious caste, we control two-thirds of our forces. To you, I say, listen to the voice of your conscience. Break the council and come with me. Our time of isolation is over. We move now, together, or not at all. This is Ambassador Dillen of the Minbari. Babylon 5 is under our protection. Withdraw be destroyed. Negative. We have authority here. Do not force us to engage your ship. Why not? Only one human captain has ever survived battle with the Minbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me. If you value your lives, be somewhere else. They've taken control of the Earth. Now humanity has only one hope left. Babylon 5 is seceding from the Earth Alliance. Here they come. On the next... Fire! Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Podcast land. Welcome to Gray 17, 
a Babylon 5 podcast, a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We are a group of newbies and or babylons who are watching Babylon 5 for the very first time. And we are also a group of first ones who have watched episodes far too many times and have seen the entire series. First off, as you can see, we're in a garage. So this is the first full, almost full, we are missing Andrew tonight, but it's the first uh, full meeting of the podcast group together in one place. Actually, several of these guys met each other in person for the first time ever tonight. So that's why we're doing a video as well, too, because we figured if we had everybody in the room, we should do it. That being said, those who are listening to the audio podcast or those who are watching the YouTube, it's probably going to be a little more echoey than usual. No, we didn't fuck up the audio. It's just we're in a garage. So deal with it. We'll try to clean up as much as we can. But I am Scott, and with me is... Mike. Nicole. Kevin. Jesse. Like, I'm Justin. <laughs> Emily. So, Justin, <laughs> when I said, don't lean into the mic and yell, you did both. And what happened was it the entire thing spiked. <laughs> Blake was supposed to flip the camera off, too, and now I look like an asshole. I did it on purpose to be an asshole. I know you did, and it's great, but it's going to be clipped, and it's not going to sound good. All right. <laughs> Start over. Three minutes. It's going to fellatio the mic. Okay. <laughs> it is, really? It's a, little, it's a little thick even through your mouth. I mean, <laughs> you never see the act, <laughs> It's not a great 17 if you call this a snort laugh. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. No! Get a three and a two! (laughs) So I'm snorting and choking that. Gotta twerk, twerk. And Scott, I have a question. Where's Podcast Land? Yeah, where is that? Is that a place? Is that next to Bully Wonka Land? We are like episode 52. God damn it. Somewhere really close to hell. Yeah. Exact personal hell is what it's starting to be fucking hot in here. If Dante, if Dante would have kept writing, Dante we would find it. Dante's 17th circle. Yes. Milton might have had something to do with that, too. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm going to find some way to make this work. Okay. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Thanks. <laughs> and scene. Uh, so... This podcast is my help. <laughs> we'll join the club. I'm getting a t-shirt. My the, the best part is you're done with this episode for tonight. I still got to edit the fucker. <laughs> it never ends in my hell. <laughs> so tonight we're here to talk about Severed Dreams. And this is the number one rated Babylon 5 episode of the entire series. Oh, I can see we'll see if anyone else agrees or disagrees. But along with that... We are here to talk about the episode itself with our newbies, and then we'll get their questions and predictions of what they uh, still want to know about the show after this episode and what they predict will happen after this episode. And then we'll kick them out the airlock and we will have a Beyond the Rim section, which will be magically not in a garage, and we will talk about uh, all their questions and predictions. So we are going to go over all that again because I'm going to guess several of you are joining us for the first time being such a momentous episode. So please be sure to click on all the links down below, our social media on Twitter, Instagram, Uh, what's the other one Facebook there we go and then also we are on threads I don't know why but we are so click on that link as well too and if you're listening to the audio podcast please join us on YouTube and subscribe over there and if you're listening on YouTube and watching as well in this case please click on the audio link and join us over there as well 
We'll go ahead and dive in. What was that? Um, bug flew right by his face and he kind of did He's like, what? What's going on? Well, if a June bug flies in here, I'm going to lose my absolute shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, that's Mike's fear of all kinds. <laughs> um, before we get started, another thing too, please be sure to leave a review. We do have another review that came in I'm going to read right now. And that review comes from Queen of the Meh. Mm. <laughs> what? Queen of the Meh. Queen of the Meh says, this podcast is 9.1 billion tons of fun. Oh. Not 9.0, 9.1. Okay. She says, or he or they say, this podcast was recommended to me by a friend, and it does not disappoint. I have loved B5 and really enjoy the whole Grey 17 cast. The first ones are really informative, kind of, I add the kind of, but I love that the newbies take on the show and how it's like watching the show through a fresh pair of eyes. I love that sometimes raunchy slapstick humor and banter come up, and it cracks me sometimes. (laughs) If only you knew, join the Patreon. Uh, It cracks me up and makes me eager for the next episode. And then it cuts off here. It says, I love the girl power that Nicole, comma, Jesse, and then dies. So I'm going to say, it's just assume it was also going to be Anne Emily. Yes. And whatever that girl power is, it had like an adjective and a verb in there somewhere. But that's where it does end. So thank you, Queen of Meth, for leaving a uh, review. And if you can, please go to Apple and do leave us a review. It really does help the show grow. Along with that, we're at a 4.5 star out of 5 right now. So click on some more fives to get rid of those asshole numbers. That'd be great, too. And then finally, you join us on Patreon. There you can join the Discord server where there is spoiler and non-spoiler conversations. A lot of our newbies, when I pester them enough, put up their notes on there as well, too. And then also those who are our biggest donor and our great council do get listed as our producers, which are listed down below. So thank you very much to our producers who help the show grow. And exactly for tonight, you all bought us Italian beef sandwiches. So thank you so much for that. They were delicious. They were very good. Blake cooked them. You bought them. So thank you very much, Patreon members. So we'll go ahead and get talking about Severed Dreams. And I believe Blake has a synopsis for us. Well, somebody does. I'm just ad-libbing it. (laughs) Blake is plagiarizing a synopsis for us. When President Clark tries to seize control of Babylon 5 by force, Sheridan is faced with the prospect of severing the station's ties with Earth and saying a big fuck you to the Earth Alliance. That's not a lurker's guy. I added that part. (laughs) He says get fucked. Yeah. The lead receives disturbing news from a ranger and proceeds to tell the Great Council to get fucked. (laughs) So join us on this episode where everybody gets told to get fucked. That is a great synopsis. Yeah, this is. I, that was one of our best ones yet. <laughs> I'm going to credit you and Lurker's Guy. Yeah. In equal measure, it's going to be great. So let's go around, and again, if you're joining us for the first time, sorry for the swearing, but <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you, you must be new here. Now, yeah. That's the problem. But if you're just joining us for the first time, now we're going to go around to our newbies and get their first impressions, and then we'll dive more into the episode after we're done having those conversations. So we'll go to Emily first. First impressions on Severed Dreams. I didn't hate it. Just kidding. I fucking loved it. (laughs) I just wanted to see Scott cringe. Um, No, I really loved it. And um, Delyn was amazing in this episode. I thought she was going to kick some ass. She tried. Yeah, she 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 was close. She was going to. So, Justin, first impressions. Was this episode just as disappointing to you as the last one? As much as I talk about shit escalating in this series, it just keeps escalating. I do want to, however, take back my comments from the last episode, <laughs> where I was disappointed in the ending and nothing happening and what I wanted to happen that actually fucking happened in this episode. So, 
I I got everything I wished for. I am bummed that we lost Hague, R.I.P. But then again, we kind of knew this was coming. Especially and, when we were producers of Deep Space Nine, we knew this was coming. Yeah. <laughs> that we'll talk That's about another that. comment. <laughs> but but so, everyone's choosing sides. Everyone is on the battle lines. It's shit's getting hot. So, Justin, a couple things. And we... So last week, if you hadn't listened to last week's episode, Justin was saying that he loved the episode, but he was disappointed that not everything came to a culmination. So Kevin and I are sitting there on our little Zoom chat telling each other to calm down, to not say a word, keep our poker faces. And I'm hoping that you all enjoyed listening to Justin talk about uh, Point of No Return for the first time and going, just wait, just wait. So it's, it's, I love that we get to do these week after week because of those points where it's just like, oh, if only you knew. Because uh, as uh, I mentioned to Justin earlier today, so this originally was supposed to be Point of No Return Part 3. Mm-hmm. Messages from Earth was Point of Return, No Return Part 1, and Point of No Return was Point of No Return Part 2. Uh, the studio said that it would be confusing for folks who don't catch it all on uh, syndication if they jumped in and saw part two and they probably wouldn't watch it because they hadn't seen part one. So that's why they changed the names. But you're not alone. A lot of people felt that way. So Jesse, first impressions. I loved this episode. I, uh, as soon as it went off, I was like, holy shit, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> and then you pulled in the driveway. Right, I didn't know I pulled in the driveway. <laughs> Don't watch and drive, kids. I mean, Dylan's a badass. So it was Ivanova. So it was it was definitely a good episode for the women. Nicole. Um, yeah, I can see why this was the number one rated episode because holy shit, it was epic. Um, just from the jump, it was so good with Lando bitching about the Narn and then him putting him on a line and being like, oh, your identity card doesn't work. Fuck you. He said, get fucked too. So that was kind of cool. And then, yeah, just like with, you know, Sheridan having to make a decision, are we going to defect? What are we going to do? The moment he had with his dad, it was so sweet. It made me, so I'm on a plane watching this episode and I'm sitting there going, oh shit, oh my God. And I'm like tearing up, like all this stuff is happening. And the girl next to me was like, are you okay? No, I'm not. So, There's a problem with the cord. Yeah, so it was it was a great episode. I mean, Delyn, obviously, wow, she was like yeah. in charge. And then at that one moment when she came in, I was like, when he said the jump gates were opening, I'm like, oh my God, they're all going to die. And then yeah. bam, and I was like, oh my, that's when I like lost it. And then the Spicy Delyn. Like Love everybody around Delenn. me was like looking at me. I was like, yeah. sorry guys, I'm really into this episode, but. From 30 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. but, um, and just like the tender moments between Sheridan and Delyn and the dad. So there was like a good mix of action, battle, tender moments, funny moments. I mean, from start to finish, the writing on this was just awesome and there was it was just so rich i don't really know another way to describe it but there was so much to it so i i loved it i actually rewound most of it and watched it again after i took all my notes because it was just so good i had to like watch it again so yeah really good episode and now we'll go to our first ones who have watched the entire series at least 20 to 100 times so mike first impressions on severed dreams I think the rest of the class hit it pretty well. This is one of the best episodes of the season, uh, the series, really. And it's not without some things that I will gripe a little bit about <laughs> later. But, like, it's it's overall a great episode because of the variety of, of as Nicole 
perfectly said humor and sincerity and action and you know drama so um really just its peak yeah kevin first impressions well i've i've made no mistake or, or no secret of the fact that this is my favorite episode and and i agree with mike there's a couple of things in this episode that i i would like to mention that are not the tightest writing but at the same time this is such an enjoyable episode you know there's there's great guest stars in this episode there's so much action in this episode I mean more action than we've gotten in the series thus far really and you know there's like you said Nicole you know great tender moments um, I liked the very unspoken look between Sheridan and Ivanova when she's going out to uh, to the fighter and uh, you know there's the, the great scene with uh, the, the, the one scene with Jakar, the you know, kind of funny episode with Kim Strauss and Londo. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff in here, but um, I, really, I really enjoy Bruce McGill in this episode. Um, and by the way, there's a great outtake from this episode, so go out to YouTube and find it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk. And Blake, first impressions. Absolutely hate this episode. Worst of the series, right? Terrible. Exogenesis is better. Yeah, absolutely. Exogenesis is far better. Now that everyone on the internet hates me. So, yeah, yeah, true. No, this is easily the one of the best episodes of the entire series. And for me, this actually has one of my favorite lines from Belen in this episode. When she comes out of hyperspace and basically just says, yeah, be the fuck somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I just love that. Oh, yeah. Love that scene with Delenn as she comes out of that uh, jump gate and saves the day with the station. Mm-hmm. And this is really, everything's been building to this uh, for the first few seasons. We've seen the fractures within Earth Alliance. We've seen that there was going to be a decision point made. And the other scene I really like in this one, I'm sure others will get into it as well, is that interaction with Sheridan and his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was so much packed into a very brief scene there that that was really good as well. Yeah. So, same idea. You guys have said most of it. The couple of things on background I want to give you, I already mentioned, when you look at the voting for the P5 scale on the Lurker's Guide, this was far and away the number one. It's as close to 10 out of 10 as you can get. Uh, but also, it won the Hugo Award for 1997. And this Hugo Award, we kind of talked about this with Coming of Shadows last season, where this is, especially back in the 90s, the Hugo Award was TV and movies put together. So what this episode beat out in 97 was Star Trek First Contact. Uh, It beat out, uh, I probably should have had this pulled up when I started talking, but it beat out Star Trek D Space Nine Trials and Tribulations. Uh, Independence Day, wow, as well as Mars Attacks, because it was actually for 1996. I said 97, mm-hmm. but 96. So Mars Attacks, Independence Day, D Space Nine Trials and Tribulations, Star Trek: First Contact, and then this one won the Hugo. Above. That's a hell of a lineup, yeah. yeah. It is. It's huge. It's huge. And uh, they actually would change the rule to break TV and movies apart in the Hugo voting. So you don't do that anymore. You don't have movies and TV going at it. So the fact that this episode did win uh, is uh, is a testament to the episode and a testament to that year of sci-fi, too. So along with that, um, I think this is an episode where everything changes, obviously, and I don't think that's a spoiler to say that you guys have already seen that this is really serialized television. Nothing's going to be the same after this episode. So I'm really looking forward to the second half of season three, as well as uh, four and five to see where you guys take this, because where we started in the gathering, where this was a military station with ambassadors and everything else, now it is the center point of an entire war. Actually, two wars. So, Looking forward to seeing how this goes with all you guys as well, too. So, 
Let's dive into the conversation. And this is going to look a little weird to those watching the video, but we try not to step on each other. So folks are going to raise hands. Huh? I had a talking Londo and I forgot him about two hours away. So, but we're going to raise hands. I'll call on people so that way the audio podcast also uh, doesn't get confused as well because you guys have told us you can't tell some of us apart. So we'll do it that way. <laughs> so where do we want to begin? Let, let's talk about Delenn. I mean, there's just so much to unpack there. I love the council scene where she goes in there and she's like, you stupid assholes. I told you this was coming. None of you wanted to admit to it. And, you know, I mean, without totally, you know, calling out the warrior cast, she calls out the warrior cast and says, okay, if you idiots don't want to be part of this, then we're done. And I will take the worker cast and I'll take the religious cast. We got two thirds of the forces and we're just going to go, go and do what needs to be done. And all of you can sit down. Mm-hmm. And it was such a powerful scene, you know, along with the end with her, which, you know, has already been mentioned rightfully. So, uh, Delenn, it was a complete badass in this episode. Mm-hmm. So the call. Um, so yes, I agree with everything Kevin said, but also too, when she first got there mm-hmm. and the guy was like, you can't see them. She's like, in Phelan's name, I will rip this place to shreds. And I was like, oh, okay. Direct quote. Yeah. And then he just basically was like, all right, go on. And then she goes in there, she gives him the business and then she takes them and comes to save Babylon five, essentially. But like Blake said, like one of the best quotes in that move in the, in the show, um, when she said to them, when they're like, you don't have authority or why or whatever. And, he, and she goes, why not? Only one human has survived the Mimbar and they're behind me and you're in front of me. Like be somewhere else. Like if you value your life. And I was like, oh my God. Like I wrote all that down. Cause I was just like, I think that's going to be my new favorite insult to be honest. Like if you value your life. <laughs> Only one person survived else. me and they're behind me. Yeah. Be somewhere. No, just if, if you value your life, be somewhere else. Cause I'll kill you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I, um, I really liked her, um, just her whole dynamic in this. And then, you know, we, we saw a different side of her. We saw like, cause Delenn is very sweet and tender and kind. But also, we kind of got to see her bring the claws out a little bit, which I thought was really cool. So we got a little more character development with her. And then when she came onto the the ship, and she was like, John, and he was like, oh. And then they had that tender moment, and he kisses her hand. I was dying and dying. So, um, and then she called him partner. So it was like she went from, I'm going to murder you, to tender, sweet Dylan. It was just really cool to see all those facets of her personality. Just I'm a big fan of Spicy Delenn. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Um, I, I love the way she went at the Grey Council. And one thing that I kind of thought was extremely interesting with that entire scene is not only did, did she take what who I assume to be Naroon to task, um, she took the staff and she broke it. Yeah. And she said she was fulfilling prophecy yep. by breaking the Grey Council. So I'm very eager to see where that goes from here. And I'm very eager to see what happens with now her assuming kind of a overall leadership position with two-thirds of the Mimbari because she even said when she first entered the ship that she was the heir to the Mimbari. To the cut. To yeah. So she 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 held him in her arms as as he died she was supposed to replace him so now you see her take 
pretty much a higher position within the Mimbari, the very same people who treated her like an outcast for her transition to more of a human form. So I can't wait to see kind of where that goes from there. But yeah, it's she. Yeah, I, I agree with Nicole, man. She took out her claws, and I love Spicy Delenn. Yeah. Yeah, well. Um, a lot of what they said, but I have to laugh because Nicole, I put in my notes, bet Nicole's thinking they're going to smash. Yep. <laughs> I literally, <laughs> in my notes, I was like, I literally sitting there watching this like they're going to smash. Oh, yeah. She's going to turn on some rain music for him. Oh, yeah. And gonna go. I literally wrote I down. Beds. Yeah, I, I wrote down. I know this is early, but one of my predictions was Sheridan Delenn definitely gonna smash. And if they don't, I'm writing the I'm gonna write an angry letter. Or Dear like JMS, yeah. I'm gonna write where the did Delenn really and Sheridan smash? Where do you get yeah. off? I wonder if I if I get a mad tweet from him if I, if I bitched at him. How daughter. dare you? <laughs> Make them smash already. <laughs> and why wasn't Barry White involved in the yeah. music? No, Emily, I, I it's so funny that you say that because I was like they're so gonna make fun of me with my cheesy romantic ass but I can't help it like I just I want them to be together poor Jeffrey Sinclair poor Jeffrey Sinclair he will you guys always have all be about him. Big Daddy Sinclair will always be my number one man okay <laughs> but I do want to see Sheridan and Delaney I just love their dynamic it's so cute we so, don't know that the Mimbari are monogamous though oh, I mean, for God's they, sake. They, could be, they could be polyamorous maybe they can have more right. than one husband right. yeah. they could oh, yeah. is going to die on this hill somebody got married in season one <laughs> It's, it's a little bit of a shame that John Vickery isn't in this episode, but there's no space for him. Yeah. But it, it might have been a little bit more powerful with just, you know, a very short, mm-hmm. you know, minute scene or less where, you know, he's just completely powerless. They, I heard blasts. Okay. Wait until maybe there's another one. Okay, hang on. Ball run pause. It was a very short one, though, so I think you can kind of ignore it. Yeah, okay, go where where Nirun is just completely powerless to argue with her, you know, in in the face of losing, you know, five out of nine people on the council, um, he he wouldn't have had very much, you know, that he could have said other than um, other than you know, don't go with her, and that's about it. Because, but you know, even even with him not being there, I think it was just as powerful, like you said, Justin. You could probably just assume. You know, he was there, that was him, whatever, but... Yeah, you know, in a show with a little bit bigger budget, it would have been nice to... Yeah. Like, even if he didn't have a speaking line, he's another character who we've come to recognize, yes. so, like, just yeah. a quick... Well, you pull the hood back and be like... But you didn't really see all their faces were covered. That's right. Yeah, so I think that that was probably a yeah. budgetary thing. I think it is true, though. He is kind of the face of the warrior cast yeah. now, mm-hmm. so it would have been nice to see. The one thing I do like in that little scene, too, is if you watch as they're all exiting, one of the warrior cast members goes and tries yeah. to grab the That's what I was going to say. And they swat it away. That's what I was going to say. And it's yeah. like there's a, there's a even that they're all masked. There's a little personal thing like don't don't do this. Yeah, where are you going? And then yeah, that's what I wanted to say when I held my hand up because yeah, he just swats it away and then just carries on. Yeah, it was that was really telling. Like yeah. you're no longer one of us. Nicole. So the ones who left were the ones, the worker and the that religious. Was worker and, the religious and then the guys who stayed were the warriors. Yeah, so okay. fa- uh, 
roughly to two thirds left. But remember, yeah. the warrior cast took an extra seat. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it was three, 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 five left, four stay. Okay. And you only saw three on camera, though. Yeah. 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 yeah I was kind of confused about that because I'm like, but if you count it, yeah, if, if there you, were five left, yeah, five sure. left yeah. for sure. So there's one off camera, but there's four warrior cast who stay. They should have been more careful about that, though. I agree. That's true. That's true. But that's the thing to keep in mind too, as Delin points out. Even though the warrior cast didn't get involved, the religious and workers cast do have ships, and we mm -hmm. see that. So now the, much like Earth is split, now you have the Mimbari split as well too. Well, also, um, I didn't realize that the workers and the religious cast would fight, like because you would think yep. they're peaceful or whatever, but they're just as badass as a warrior cast, if you ask me, because. Clearly, they came to fight, and they run the other ship, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool to well, kind of see that. Remember, too, when we heard from Nehrun and others, that they point out the warrior cast doesn't always run the show, either. Yeah. Like, remember, Nehrun said, if I had known why we surrendered, we would never would have surrendered. So the warrior cast wasn't informed about everything. Yeah. So... Keep that so mind. they're not the top dogs. They're supposed they to be are. three, three, and three. Now, of course, we didn't even know the worker cast existed for a while. Yeah. Because that kind of came in later on. But they're supposed to be uh, equal. Equal. All three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some of them have ships. The one thing I do love about Delenn real quick, and I kind of gave Justin uh, crap about how he felt about the episode, but same thing with you guys, and saying like, we really wish Delenn would have been in this episode more. I was like, oh, just wait. Just wait. You'll get your Delenn fix. I promise. And uh, I think she's going to factor a lot more into this now, too, because she's definitely picked a side. So, what else we got? It was interesting to me that, uh, I, I, and I really hadn't thought about this before this round of watching it, which was more than... Um, that uh, you know now Earth knows who who has the White Stars because mm -hmm. now that those four Mimbari cruisers came through and along with the White Star, you know messages from Earth events. Now they're going to know who was behind that or at least involved with it. Mm -hmm. I'll go one step further, and we already know that the reason why. Clark is doing part of this is as we saw in several episodes ago they're trying to uh, store concern about outside threats the whole idea is we can use the shadow vessel to scare people so now you've got a Minbari battle cruiser showing up and saying hi so they have some little uh, cannon fodder for that too yeah that's true well and one thing that I kind of picked up that is kind of a I'd mentioned it before in some of my predictions that I was concerned about a two-front war with, you know, Earth and with the war against the shadows. But I'm kind of, after this episode, I'm actually starting to rethink some of that where it's just different theaters of the same war. Because you have Earth under the influence of the shadows, and then when the Mimbari agent was finally speaking to Delin in the Medbay and says that he came back from the unaligned worlds and the shadows are convincing them to go to war with each other yeah. out of fear of them themselves being attacked, mm -hmm. that to me that just be like, okay, so not only are they have heavy influence on Earth, which is then they influence the Earth Civil War, they've also influenced other worlds and now it's all just different theaters of one war against the shadows and the earth civil war is just one part of that war against the shadows because ultimately as we've seen with um with that scene a few episodes ago of when morton was 
on Earth, meeting with a lot of people from EarthGov, they're heavily influenced by the shadows as well. So I think it's honestly, it's, it's all cultivating into one giant war against the shadows and everything that we've seen is just part of that same conflict. Interesting. Anyone else? What the fuck is Morgan? We haven't seen him in a minute. Last time we saw him was on Earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But we also, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was kind of thinking similar to you, where the shadows are creating all those little pockets of infighting, because as long as they're all infighting, they're not going to coalesce right. into a force exactly. against them. Right. So yeah. the sowing of the sowing discord to create chaos, and then they're like, oh yeah, we can swoop in and kick all your asses, because you guys have spent all your resources fighting mm-hmm. each other. And even they said now that it's bred uh, air of conquest, because mm-hmm. as long as they feel like they're protected by the shadows, they are not they feel like that they're unbeatable. Yeah. And the Centauri kicked it off because they mentioned the Centauri and expansion. And because if they didn't go along with the shadows, then they'd be conquered by the Centauri. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely, it's all within the Shadow War, which is something that I didn't really realize until now. Nicole? Can I bring up what's happened with ISN? Please. Yes. Okay. So the another thing Justin complained about yeah. was ISN wasn't too proper, uh, propaganda enough last episode. <laughs> and <laughs> honestly, bless them, but yeah. We'll leave it to the broadcaster to bring this up. Um, I, they had mentioned before this happened about how ISN isn't reporting because they're not allowing them to. And then the guy just busts in is like, this is what's really happening. You don't know the truth. And I was just like, yes! Threw himself on the sword. Right. And then all of a sudden they came in and were shooting and that, that whole thing was crazy. But what's even crazier to me is like, they're, so this is an issue that is happening now. People like control the media. Like you look at each network, they lean the a way that they want to lean and they report what they want to report and they have their own spins on things. Like, when you report, it's supposed to be unbiased. And then with Clark, like them saying that the Clark regime is trying to control what's being reported, that completely defeats the whole point of being an unbiased journalist. So I think that guy knew that that news had to get out. And I liked that everybody in the station was kind of watching when that happened. So it did get out to people. And they're probably dead by now. But, you know, um, yeah, it was, that was a really cool moment. And like I said, I'm a broadcaster, so for me, I was geeking out a little bit. I really enjoyed that part. Take a brief interview for the chair. Switch. Yeah, switch chair. Yeah, back issues are a pain in the Yeah, yeah they are. So you look like you were hurting over there, guys. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. Awesome. What a giant camera. All right, so sorry I missed the ISN discussion, but okay. Justin's still going. Okay. I haven't even started yet, bro. <laughs> okay. um, no, I 100% agree with Nicole. It was really sad but fascinating yeah. at the same time to watch that go down because, yeah, you had that one guy absolutely throw himself on the sword knowing he was probably going to die yeah, he's probably because of dead. what he yeah. was going to say. And even the... The, the lady who you was trying to kind of shush him a little bit, yeah. being like, you know, be quiet, be quiet, almost like, 
and it's been a common theme with a lot of that of like be quiet to protect yourself. Even even um, what um, Major Ryan said the same thing. A lot of people are just trying to be quiet, yeah. just to protect themselves. And so even her was she was trying to shush him, but he was like, no, the people have to know this. And it was definitely one thing that's very important that the people saw that. Yeah. Because then when they when it finally went black, when it finally went down, it was throughout the rest of the episode, people kind of that's that was their only source of the news. Right. So now nobody really knows what's going on anymore. And I think it was just a really humble way to kind of picture that because you know, we we we've seen it with fascist regimes. We've seen it with hardcore communist regimes, about state you know state takeover of media, yeah. and just how that has been affected. And we're even seeing that with some current countries today about people who have stood up against the state media and told the truth disappear. Yep, or go to jail. Yeah, or go to jail. Like what's have what's happened with Russia and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely been something that's interesting to see. Blake, what's interesting, you mentioned the reporter going on air and talking about what people needed to know. The one thing you mentioned that neither one of you mentioned, and I don't know if you caught it, was the troops were already on their way there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They knew they were coming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when he did that, he knew they were <laughs> yeah. coming. Yeah. It was over. It was yeah. part of martial law. They were going to take yeah. over. So he went out, you know, and said what he needed to before they... Took his last before chance. They, before they shot his ass, yeah. I will say, and I just... I, we get into this debate a lot with the whole... Every media leans. There... Yes... A lot of the national media does have a bit one way or the other, but then there is state and propaganda media, and that is completely different. And I think there's only one station (laughs) currently that people watch, because there's also ones that people don't watch. That's propaganda. So Newsmax. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already saying there's some people that don't watch. Uh, but in terms of ones that get ratings, I think there's a difference. I think there is a propaganda station rather than just lean media. Mike. Uh, oh, I was just going to say, I mean, the guy came on and didn't, unfortunately, didn't really get his message out. He, he managed to utter the words, there's stuff they haven't been telling you, yeah. they've been controlling us, and then, yep. but it's still valid, because at the end of the day, when ISN suddenly comes back on the air, no one should rightfully trust anything that mm-hmm. they say at that point because you can almost assume that like much like B5 got a political officer there was probably a political officer at ISM with a little kill button just like think yeah. <laughs> yeah Nicole well the fucked up part is that you know, um, like we were talking about how people are just kind of being quiet to be compliant out of mm-hmm. fear. So now, if ISN does come back, whoever is working there is literally going to be terrified. So they're going to follow the rules and be quiet and just do what, report on what they tell them. And it's going to be, you know, uh, not obviously the real news. So I think it's just going to um, kind of escalate things a little bit further because if people don't know what's going on, they're almost not going to know what's going to hit them. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. And just the whole part of like being controlled and being fearful to do your job, that is really fucked up to me. So I just, yeah, I'm very interested to see if ISN comes back and what it's going to be like, what the next iteration of it is going to be. Justin. Kevin was first. No, I'm sorry. I was actually looking at Kevin when I said it too. Kevin. (laughs) I, I think the reason that, you know, this is, 
so raw right now is because you know there's been other examples in the world over the last you know, many mm-hmm. years but right right now you know Russia's going through this big time yeah and you know the fact that there was one if not two maybe news outlets before the war in Ukraine started now there's one ish but they're you know broadcasting from outside of Russia even though they're they were you know part of Russia's you know media landscape and it just, you know, there's there's other countries, you know, India's going through some of this too. You know, I could name, you know, keep naming places, but um, it it's just, it's disgusting how a state would step in and force, you know, uh, a shift in, you know, how the, the news is being reported to the point where they have control over, over media. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to thank God for the First Amendment, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know how free our media really is. Yeah. Justin? Well, and I guess this all just turns into exactly what I guess Kevin was saying, something about the First Amendment and how people are really free to speak their lives or how much they're not afraid to speak kind of their truth. Because, you know, not only that with ISN, but you go to the scene with Sheridan and his dad. And Sheridan's like, well, how is everything? And you can kind of tell that his dad was trying to talk and code the best he can, being like, well, I'm okay, but, you know, the corn's not really coming in that well. <laughs> and you, you, you can kind of tell they were having a conversation within a conversation because they knew that if they spoke their truth, they would definitely be shut down or Sheridan was probably extremely fearful for the life of his parents Mm -hmm. so he didn't want to put them into any trouble and it just reflects to you know again today you know and that's that's one thing that we keep we 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 keep talking about it and it just keeps proving more true by the day by the episode about the reflections of a show that aired 30 years ago versus events that are relevant today where you have many people not only around the world but in this country who are being restricted by law from speaking their truth. For, for those of us watching along, <laughs> in the corner over here, we are not laughing at Justin. No, there's a car, there's alarm, a car going. alarm going off in the background, and, and we're laughing getting, at the... It, it, I, I feel like it got louder at one point. It did, it did. Oh so it's, we're not laughing at not Justin, at viewers. We were laughing at the car alarm. No. Oh, I didn't even catch and that. And that's going to be between... I was, I was in my last two, yeah. so that's been fun. And we're just laughing why? at the absurdity. My, my, my neighborhood's not exactly representing right. particularly yeah, well today. You guys heard it, too. I thought I was losing my mind. Uh, never mind, we didn't hear shit. Okay. We're good. Okay, the car alarm's down. Yeah. Mike. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add, as far as the ISM thing goes, that you know what B5 portrays in this episode is a really extreme example of the government coming in and taking it over the media. But we have a lot more subtle real-life examples happening in the world. I mean, I would argue that the censorship that is implemented by the UK over how footage of their parliament is, you know, yeah. displayed is is also fairly sickening. I mean, it's restricting information about what's going on behind closed doors, and it's not good. Well, remember, too, I mean, C-SPAN during the State of the Union was using the roving cameras 
to catch different people. And then as soon as that happened, the majority House uh, leadership yeah. said, no more, we're going to have the set cameras, and that's it. Yeah. So it's it's not just the UK, although they're pretty bad in terms of the parliament. It's just an example. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, there are a lot of different levels yeah. to that kind of government interference mm-hmm. of journalism. Yeah, it definitely, frightening. it definitely doesn't have to be, we're going to send the troops in. There's other ways to do it. Well, and that's what I was going to get at is it doesn't have to be government. I mean, look at Sinclair Media in the U.S. and how many local stations they own. And I mean, several people on this podcast are from Central Illinois. I used to be from. And it was, what, a year or two ago they had a meteorologist that openly said the state that Sinclair's weather warning alerts yeah. were stupid and that they were needlessly scaring people. Code red. Yeah, their code red weather alerts were stupid and scaring people. Guy was fired for it because he disagreed with the message that Sinclair Media wanted out there. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't have to even be a government manipulating media. It can be this corporate ownership when local stations are kind of becoming a thing of the past. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you've got, anymore, you've got Nexstar Media, you've got Sinclair and a handful of others that are really buying up these local station groups. And they can push whatever. I mean, even the end of the broadcast, last week tonight did a thing on this with these uh, end of news uh, special report sections that are scripts handed down that the local stations basically forced to read. They're just straight up propaganda. Yeah, this is straight up propaganda. Whatever. And that's Sinclair who puts those out. Didn't they have like, I'm sorry. No, what? Didn't they have like. There was like 50 channels that said the same exact word yeah. 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 throughout COVID. Yeah, it was, and it was like yeah. they, they would basically put out basically Fox News light yeah. on Sinclair. So not to a media cartel. Not to mention the fact that you know news newspaper news you know has been you know struggling for advertisers to the point where they won't say anything against an advertiser for any reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's not, again, that's another good example of it's not state media, but it's corporate media saying it's not in our best interest to say anything, even if it's true, against one of our advertisers. Mm-hmm. I would add one more thing to that. Because of the corporatization of local news, uh, one of the things I ran into having to deal with the news agencies a lot is budget cuts mean that people who actually understand how to report the news and get tied into the local communities, they leave. And then you get folks in there who are basically glorified interns. And usually you have the reporter also acting as the camera person and everything else. So local news, both at the newspaper level and at the TV level, is just been gutted. And it's, it's a problem because now the only news we get, to Nicole's point earlier, is national news. And then you're going to pick and choose what you want to hear, and that's about it. So, what do we want to talk about next? We talked about Delenn, we've talked about Stereo Media. What do we got? Well, I think there was a little something, small incident, minor kerfuffle with the Earth Alliance. Something. Yeah, can we talk about Civil War? Justin, talk about Civil War. <laughs> All right. That was fucking weird. <laughs> You're weird. Acting! I know I am. Yes. So, <laughs> acting! So, Iron Man and Captain America got into a fight. <laughs> It's a good movie, by the way. It's actually my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. Fight me on it. Yeah. However, it's ten twenty. Talk. <laughs> do you have anywhere else to be today? I do. A two-hour drive home. Hey. <laughs> anyway. He did it. There you go. So I really enjoyed the transition from the scene where basically the Narns tell Lando to get fucked. They said "fuck a you" to you and your pass. 
And we immediately transition to when he goes, this wouldn't happen if the Earthers didn't start fighting each other. And we go into a very good epic space battle scene. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing I will give to JMS in this episode. The space battles were fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I did not know until these two yahoos, Kevin and Blake, pointed it out to me. We see elements of Civil War in the very opening credits that we've been watching all season. Mm-hmm. Or some of I, us haven't been watching, apparently. Or some of us haven't been paying as close attention Kevin to was scared to death about you guys watching the intro the whole damn season. <laughs> Where we see a Star Fury shirt da- shoot down another Fury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was, honestly, they had, the whole battle scenes within this whole episode were actually extremely yeah. fantastic. <laughs> and I really give a lot of credit to JMS for the way that this is written because it you do feel it you know you do see you know within the different battles that happens throughout when you're first dealing with the um with alexander and with the i'm blanking on the other ship's name at the beginning oh the very beginning was the charleston Charleston. yeah the charlestown and you know once that battle happens and it's destroyed and then Major Ryan says, did you know the captain? You know, Hank and him went to school together. They knew each other. They, you know, and it just, it talks about where you see the, the, the elements of the war where this is the first time we, we know the people we kill. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I didn't actually catch it at first. But they alluded to Hague's death in that scene, mm-hmm. I think. Yes, it did. Because he goes, now I have to go and write letters to both, both of the spouses, yeah. both wives. And it's Hague's ship. The fact that he's not on the bridge should tell you everything yeah. you need to know. Right. And I didn't pick that up either because I was, again, I had alluded in previous episodes to the fact that I thought we were going to lose Hague. Yeah. But I didn't think that it was going to be something like this. Wait until and you was, find out why you lost Hague. Yeah. Blake? So, you know, Justin mentions the space battles and the effect shots in this. Just round the table, how many roughly, and not you, Justin, because you can see my screen, or you, Justin, but on average on a TV script is about how many shots are in a script? A hell of a lot. I don't know how many, though. Like, define a shot. Like, bullets? Scenes. Oh, Oh. scenes or bullets? Scenes. Scenes? Like, camera shots. Scenes. Oh, hundreds probably. Sixty to seventy-five. Oh, okay. You're talking about actually a different camera angles. So yeah. you have a one or two. Oh, camera I thought you set. meant like each scene. Okay. So if I have a yeah. close-up of you and then I go to a group shot, so that's, that's two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's sixty to seventy-five in an episode. <laughs> Sometimes B5 would get a little frisky. Then there's episodes like Severed Dreams. <laughs> and to give you an idea, um, remember back on Time the episode the. At least that one's quick. Yeah. They'll be gone soon. Yeah. Okay, so just start it. They're give done. You an They'll idea. be on. What? To Remember. give you an idea. So to give you an idea, if you go to the back of the episode, um, Fall of Night, right? That's the one where Sheridan got captured. Talon! From the scene in the garden to Sheridan's rescue, that's six to seven pages worth of the script. Mm-hmm. There were 60 to 65 EFX and shots in that. Wow. Mm-hmm. When it and that was six to seven pages, for Fall of Night in just four pages, there are over one hundred EFX shots. 
Mm-hmm. So this thing actually got done. They had to upload it to the uh, stations for broadcast. Now I got somebody talking as they're walking. So, <laughs> so they cut this thing and we're doing all the effect shots with foundation imaging. It was done two hours before they uploaded it out to the stations for broadcast. Yeah, that's the other fun part yeah. about it. So Babylon 5 was syndicated, and back in the 90s, as you, if you ever drove by your local TV station, they have the big old satellite dish. So what they would do is they would put the tape in and send it up, and then send it back down to all the stations. Yeah. So we're that close. Yeah. <laughs> Two hours. This is actually how Babylon 5 got pirated a lot when it was first coming out, because because it became such a cult following, you would have people who work at the stations get the download the day before, record it on VHS, and then start handing it out to people. Yeah. Before so, funny so my brother, at, around this time when the show was being made, was a student at Embry-Riddle Aeronautics University in Daytona, Florida, which is also where Foundation Imaging happened yeah. to do a lot of their work. Uh-huh. So my brother, being an aerospace engineer nerd, actually got to see some of the space sequences and some of the star theory type pieces that they the were doing modeling. The renderings. Because yeah. uh, the, some of the guys he knew through the Aeronautics University were advising over at Foundation on the graphics. Wow, That's nice. cool. So he got to see some of that same type of thing as they were showing it off to their friends going, look at this cool thing. It's painful. And you know, it, even today, I mean, you can absolutely tell it is rudimentary CGI. But those scenes with the Alexander, they still, they look like a sci-fi mm-hmm. television channel show, but they yeah. still hold up. When we even yeah. commented on the rudimentary, mm-hmm. NASA actually looked at the Star Furies. I oh, mean, yeah. this is some of the most accurate representation of spaceflight, even if crewed on the CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing, we've, we've kind of seen them before, but I love the fact that when we see the Mars bombing, we also see the other type of Star Fury, mm-hmm. the one that's built for atmospheric flight, because those Star Furies by Babylon 5 are not built to fly A souped-up version, yeah. Yep. yep. What you got? I, I... Who wants to go next? No, go for it. Just go. I mean, honestly, well, and then just dealing with the, the sheer impact of the battle around Babylon 5, when you have the Churchill just go screaming, crashing in the Roanoke. And then the funny glitch that happens in that episode where Sheridan's calling out to the Roanoke, calling him to surrender, when he's actually trying to contact the um, Agrippa. The, the Agrippa. But just the special effects that was done with that one alone, I mean, honestly, they were breathtaking scenes, even in 2023, where I was mesmerized by watching the Churchill just go through and just cut the Roanoke in half. Like, it was brilliant work. And it was really just heartbreaking on just the amount of destruction and death that this civil war is causing, all for a maniacal fascist. Yeah, actually, what are you uh, looking at me weird for? I'm looking at Jessie because she's just like hanging on her phone. <laughs> I was trying to get her attention. Like, this is no different than every other review we've ever done. <laughs> God damn it. You're fine. I'm just like, somebody's going to comment. <laughs> hey, usually we're playing on our phones anyway. You just can't see it. Right. No. Yeah. As we like to say around the last couple episodes, fuck are you. Fuck are you. <laughs> <laughs> he must know somebody. 
So I just got because Josh was talking about the ships. He's asking if Kevin wanted to cover because I know he reads a lot of the production stuff too, though. Yeah. So that the scene with the ships burning, uh-huh. that was actually a new effect they did. They went out with some uh, fire effects in the parking lot and some acrylic. Oh, actually no melted kidding. through the acrylic and the lens in the process of getting those fire Oopsie. effects. Wow. So, wow, okay. But as JMS said, it was worth it. Right. They were fantastic <laughs> damn yeah. scenes. And I'm somebody who loves to watch epic space battles yeah. or just epic ship battles in general. So it's like I love the Midway movie. I love like watching stuff like that so it's like i i was really into the 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 capital ship battle that was going on out there and it was extremely well done but still but still really heartbreaking at the same time it, it was something that you don't want to watch to the uh, the roanoke piece too jms was obviously asked about and he said yeah the reference was kerfuffled there was so much going on so many effect shots to blake's point so much rearranging of shots to make everything work. We literally delivered this two hours before the process of uplinking started that this slipped past. I assume that Sheridan just got excited and said the wrong name. It could happen to anyone, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> Nicole, what do you got? Did you have something to say about that? Okay. Yeah. Um, it, that battle could have been even even more epic, you know, had Dolan not shown up at the right time, but it, it seems weird to me that that Sheridan's like, you know, he has he gets asked, should we use drawing? He's like, no, I want to keep that in our back pocket, but I don't mind using his big ass holographic yeah. system. <laughs> Whatever yeah. I see that I think Skeletor from Masters oh, of the Universe. Yes, oh my absolutely. god, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Skeletor on the mountain. With are the you kidding me? <laughs> It's like, I no, we're going to keep draw a secret. But no, we can use this really cool holographic system and call out that he's got that. But, uh, yeah, it just, that, 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 little, that little snippet doesn't make sense. I agree. I think what, the way I see that in my head canon is it wasn't just on B5. He was making that announcement across the galaxy. Yeah. And that's why he used draw. Yeah. So it wasn't like you could just get on the, B, the Babcon stream and say, hey, fuck the Earth. It's, hey, Drawl, I need you to make this announcement across the galaxy so everyone hears at the same time. He also used Drawl in my headcanon, because he doesn't say this, to bypass the state media. Yes. I want, to, I want people to hear my words. I do not want to be cut off. I want to be able to talk, and that's why he used Well, Drawl. because he would have. If yeah. he would have tried to go through yeah. official feeds, it was cut. the message would have never gotten out. It would have never gone anywhere. Yeah. So the fact that he was not only in the... You know, in the marketplace, but also in stairwells, and you know, people are watching him everywhere. Yeah, I, I, I feel re- bad for the guy who's on the crapper when he appeared. Holy God! But it, to the effects point, I know it was budgetary, but it would have been nice to uh, Kevin's point to have him show up. Like just on us, we're in front of the Senate. Yeah, right. At Earth Dome. On Mars, on or a riot, so, exactly. on Proxima so, 7. So show me a couple of those so I know that's what's going on, because that's what I think is going on. But I and that's what I assumed was going on too, but there's no way to know for yeah. sure, because right. the way that they had to shoot it was it just looks like it went out over Babylon 5. That's true. Yeah. 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 Well, and I'll add, like, so that scene where, where he gives his proclamation of, to, you know, B5 seceding is one of. To me, one of the most powerful scenes in the, in the yes. episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that he specifically says, we are doing this in lockstep in support of the other colonies who are also doing this mm-hmm. because we are together in this uh, 
cause. Um, the other scene that I think, at least for me, is is the most powerful in the whole episode is going to be the scene at the end when B five, uh, you know, they think they they've bought it, and mm-hmm. and you know, the, Sheridan asks, uh, uh, is it Cox Corwin. Uh, for the status report, he's like, "Not good, man. <laughs> not good." That little blast shield behind you ain't gonna stop and, me. You know, and then they get the signal. There are more ships coming in. The, the Five look of, ships coming. The look yeah. of hopelessness yeah. on Sheridan's yeah. face when he's like, "Shit, we fucked it." And like, remember, yeah. he was told. Like, he was told earlier by the other captain. Before we even got the message, they were already coming. Yeah. So yeah. he knows other ships are coming. So yeah. He's just like, "Oh god." Um, but that moment, I mean, it's silent. Yeah. But it is. Peak acting from Box. Well, I mean, I did kind of, you know, soil myself a little bit when they they got the fact that there's three ships coming that they know of, and they're like, "Well, there's more, four more warp signatures opening it up." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's seven ships!" Mm -hmm. They're done. But before the Mimbar, like I'm sitting there, like, "Oh shit." And then the Mimbari come in, and honestly, yeah, again, I can't say enough about Spicy Delenn, because she's like... It's hot. If you want to be someone... <laughs> yeah. Honestly, so I'm not going to lie. Emily. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was kind of fuzzy. I liked it. And then, um, and, and then she goes, if you want to live, be somewhere else, and they're like... Peace. They like, just Bye. noped right yeah, the fuck yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, fuck this shit. We're out of here. She's so. right. I mean, we were told all through season one, Battle of the Line, Earth yeah. didn't stand a chance. And now we've got four of these cruisers coming out. So he's going, oh, oh. Coming in yeah. Yeah. So, Nicole, you've been up with for a while. Yeah, I was going to kind of touch on something that Justin had brought up um, in the beginning when Ryan and the other ship were fighting and then they were destroyed. Um, and he was talking about how like he knew the captain knew him and he knew his wife and all this stuff it really goes to show you and then like with Sheridan he was trying to talk sense into them like we don't want to fight you just you know this is wrong just stop and then the whole time that they were fighting he's like oh my gosh just please stop this is wrong I don't want to you know like you can tell the character of you know Sheridan and Ryan and all the people that are defecting their character is is like on the right side you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then everyone who's coming at them with the Clark regime are a bunch of mindless chicken shit assholes and it was a really good it was like a line in the sand you know and you can see that these guys they don't want to do this they don't want to fight their people like like he said I we know who we're killing so the fact that they don't want to do it and they're coming in all cavalier like we're gonna fuck you up clearly they don't feel the same way and it just goes to show you the character of each side of this battle and I feel like their side is the right side see I disagree with you a hundred percent we haven't seen anyone on another ship we have seen the ships attacking yeah uh, but we have not really seen any captain or anything on a ship that was being attacked on the other side of things I think you, the way you can look at it is remember the scene last week with Nightwatch a lot of these people are stuck in the middle of this. So saying that these guys are just assholes... I, well, I, I mean, I, not all of them, I'm sure, but, like, the guys who are actively following orders and going to attack, like, if you know it's wrong... But you've been trained your entire career... Right. ...to follow the orders of the commander-in-chief. Right. I the commander-in-chief is telling you, these guys are the problem. We have these crazy shadow, sp- creepy spider ships that are going to attack us. we got Mars who's trying to revolt. These guys are attacking... 
So, but B five wasn't attacking anyone. How do they know that? We just saw ISN get shut down. They're traitors. Babylon Five's traitors. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think it just goes to show their characters, and it was just an observation that I made that I feel like. Mm-hmm. That's the right side and that's the wrong side. Well, Whether says, or not they're in the middle or not. Right. He says you know this is wrong. Yeah, and he you doesn't want to fight them. Wrong. This is illegal. You, you, What you are doing is illegal. Do not do this. You know this is wrong. And then they continue to do it. Right. Yeah, so I mean, let, let's go a little bit here. Let's rewind. Let's pretend it's 2019. And a certain commander-in-chief says, okay, we're going to go ahead and invade Iran. And there's going to be people on the radio saying, this is wrong. We shouldn't do this. But do you expect our entire military to say, okay, we're not going to follow that order? The entire military? No. Well, that's that's what's happening here. Right. So anyone anyone who follows that order to invade X country. Right. And even if it was Biden right now, did it? Anyone who follows that order, they're an asshole? Or are they just being somebody who's been trained in their career to follow the chain of command? Well, that's what the military is. They're, They're... I'm not calling the military an asshole. I don't want to get death threats. I'm just saying. Send your comments. The Clark too. regime are a bunch of assholes. Oh, the Clark regime. That is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I'm talking. Like that side is you. the wrong side. That's what my. And I completely was. agree with you. I'm not yeah. supporting fascists. I'm just saying, if you get down to the weeds of it, these guys. And this is to the point of the captain. Yeah, I know they're doing their job. They're, they're blasting it. the shit out of these guys. We never see these people. All we know is they're being told, to Justin's point, these guys are traitors. I think it's really interesting when Sheridan does his, you know, we're breaking away speech, that he only gives very verifiable yes. facts. He doesn't say Clark killed Santiago. Yeah. He doesn't say anything else. He said he dissolved the Senate. Mm-hmm. And he is he bombing Mars, and it, that, th- those two things are against the Earth Alliance Constitution, mm-hmm. and we're out. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get into the, the weeds. Mm-hmm. Well, and he specifically says we're out until this regime is right, yes. right, right. Yes. And which is the not, same thing. Which is the same thing that both uh, Proxima Seven and Orion said the exact same thing, that they are seceding and breaking away from the Earth Alliance until Clark is removed from power. So there's still a chance of reconciliation with Earth, but only after Clark is gone. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, too, what Nightwatch was saying, because it was a couple episodes back. Yeah. You had Nightwatch saying that, you know, people within Earth Gov and the military had sold out Earth. That they had collaborated with other governments, governments. with foreign governments to overthrow Earth. Yeah. Now, you talk about the military following orders and what they've seen. You said four Mimbari cruisers jump out and save Babylon 5's ass. They just confirmed the bullshit Clark's been well, stealing. Right. dibs on it. Along, <laughs> along with the White Star, knowing that that was the, yeah. the key element of the messages yeah. for Murder. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm just saying it's not as black and white. Now, again, yeah. I'm not defending Clark the fascist. Yeah. It's just not as black and white in that. And, no. and I just, oh, go ahead, Sam. No, I'm sorry. I, I understand your point. You're right. The military is not going to not follow what their their commander says. Like, this this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. But you would hope, right, that when you get to that moment where somebody is saying, I understand what you've been told, but this is illegal. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. This goes against the, you know, all of this. You would hope that somebody would take a step back and be like, well, fuck. But they don't. They follow directives. Mm-hmm. And At least to this point. Right. 
And remember, this is happening very quickly too. Yeah. Clark, I, I, declares, I, I, Clark declares martial yes, law. Absolutely. Five days. Five days. And, yeah. well, and he had, he'd already sent the ships to everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So you have five seconds to do what you're told, right? Yeah. They mm-hmm. say you go there. These guys are doing this. Blah blah blah. Take them out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, commandeer their their ship. You take control. You know, lock up the the you know leadership and all of that. So that's what they've been told to do. And at that point, it doesn't really matter what Sheridan has to say. Well, as I mentioned, they've already been told that Sheridan's bad. Exactly. So what are they going to do? Listen right. to him. <laughs> and I get that's what I'm. Yeah, absolutely. Like you've been told that this guy is doing this, this, and this. You're not going to be like, oh, this guy says he's a good guy. It's fine. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. So yeah. I, I get your point. Absolutely. And I I, I just want to clarify what my my point was meant to say was I just want to point out that like the Clark regime are the assholes. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. They're fascist assholes. Yes. Nicole, we know, you're, oh, wait. we know you're not a yeah. fascist. But what my, Technically I'm arguing for the fascist right now. <laughs> well, but my point more so was you can just see the character like like I just thought it was really, it, it just showed their character yeah. and their leadership that they're like, I don't want to fight you. I don't want to kill you. They felt bad. They felt guilty. Yeah. And it just showed that their humanity, like the whole humanity speech. Yes. I mean, it was just like, it, it, it's, it just showed me that like, those are the people I would want to follow oh, yeah. because their leadership and their, their humanity. And, and that's more so what I meant. Not like yeah. they're a bunch of pussies because they follow the rules. I know yeah. they have to follow the rules. Then, j- I'm going to annoy some people on YouTube because I know you comment. Hi. Uh, to that point that she just made, there's a right and a wrong side to this. <laughs> so I'm arguing that the guys in the, the battleships and everything else may not be able to be at a chain command level where they're firing someone. But if you're thinking maybe Clark is right, this isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> and I know some of you are going to say that. Damn. So... Hi. <laughs> we would like to say hello to the following followers who we know who you are. Hi. We know well, who you are. Sheridan tries to tell them, you know, maybe, maybe too late, but you know, please, you know, just, you know, hit the pods. We'll come get you. Safe passage. We we're not. We don't want to kill anybody else. I'm I'm personally not at all convinced that the other ships would have done the same in the same situation. Yeah, but we don't know. We don't know because the the one ship was attacking the Alexander and they were about ready to take him out until the Alexander took out their big guns and it was the well, same idea. I mean, that's a good point. We we see what happens on the Alexander. Mm-hmm. We don't know that the same conversation wasn't happening on the Charlestown. Mm-hmm. It very likely was. I know his dog. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it is to yeah. What we've been led up to up to this point is we've been shown the piece about Nightwatch where we had security guard blonde asshole yeah. who, who was gung-ho, I'm going to throw my weight around yep. and, and take you know take Delusions charge. Of grandeur. We can't apply his mentality to, to the whole of yeah. you know, Clark's regime and the military following Clark's yeah. orders because yeah. for all we know, they're having the same moral debate, but it's like... It's they're, hard. They're, what you they're seeing when it the, the other way. Is running, it's hard to be that yeah. person that stops it. Well, and, and I know you've been, oh, go ahead. J- JMS was careful, you know, not to show anything happening on the Clarkstown, the Agrippa, the the Roanoke, like Zippo. You're only seeing one side, and it's really you're left wondering what's going on on the other yeah. side. And uh, 
There's other stuff we can say, but we haven't gotten to those episodes yet. Emily, what do you got? Oh, so it's slightly different, but it is about the battle. And I was really impressed with the graphics. It was the landing party scene that seemed off to me. Yes. Because the, music. The, the uniforms didn't seem right given the level of technology that we've seen previously. Like the body armor. I agree. It looks yeah. like it's it came out of World War II. Yes, it um, is. And it's not... And, it's and not, the Nard. Like, yes. they didn't have... It didn't look like they had much protection in the way of even helmets or anything. So I was yeah. curious about their yeah. sec- how security would work for them if they're taking over security, but they essentially don't have any protection on themselves. The other thing JMS points out about that landing party scene is because uh, somebody had asked, why did Garibaldi just do a frontal assault like that? Well, actually, Garibaldi had planned to bottleneck them, but the Narn just ran on ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Futter. Yeah, well, they're, you know, the Narn, we were talking about this, the Narn are better at the hand-to-hand stuff, but it doesn't seem like the, uh, you know, the infantry, uh, you know. They didn't seem like a special force like I was no. expecting. No. They seemed like it was... Yeah, yeah. bodies. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, speaking as one, one of the resident Star Wars fans at the table, uh, not that we only have a couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's always irritated me when science fiction, you know, they they have these, you know, forces that go into battle with the, all this armor, and yeah. the armor seems to matter not at all. And they can't shoot either. Yeah, and they can't <laughs> shoot. It's very annoying. Stormtroopers die with one hit, and why why do they have the armor? Because <laughs> it's scary looking, <laughs> and it's frequently portrayed to be a hindrance, not a help. Anyway, <laughs> Nicole. So, uh, two things. I have a comment on what Emily said. The music on that landing thing, so freaking cheesy. Like, it was, it fit the scene, but boy, God, was it cheesy. It what was, we really need is that scene from Babylon Square where Garibaldi's going, you want one, you want another, yeah. you want one. Right. Um, but my other thing I just wanted to bring up, um, I also, kind of going back to the battle, um, when when they declared their, you know, succession, Sheridan gave people the opportunity to leave yes. if they didn't want to break rank. He actually did it twice. Yes, and mm-hmm. I thought that that was really classy. Like I thought that was really cool. Because one person left. Yeah, only on one. the second time. On the second time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the first but time. They both also... times. Both times. Yeah. Only one person left. But right. yeah, I thought that that was really cool because it just shows his his character again. Like, listen, we're gonna do this. That you, if you don't want to. I don't want to make you do it. You're free to leave. Yep. And I thought the fact that he did that kind of, even if those people weren't sure and they wanted to follow rank, it kind of shows like, oh, he's not a douche. Like, yep. he's giving me this opportunity. Because he could have been like, fuck you, follow my orders and fight. You know what I mean? But he didn't. He gave them the autonomy to make that decision for themselves. And remember, we just had an episode a few episodes ago where we were testing Corwin's mm-hmm. uh, loyalty, and he actually he didn't pass. No, he stayed. He well, no, I mean that, then when Ivana was questioning yeah. him, she said, "I don't think we can trust right. him as much as we can to get him elevated to this." Yeah, so see, Corwin stepped up this episode. Yeah. Proved himself. Yeah. Well, yeah. they called back to it as well mm-hmm. because she there was that scene where Ivana looked at him and said, "Yeah, are you okay? you you good, right, man?" And he right. was like, I "So I guess I am." I'm yeah. Surprised, but I'm okay. Yeah. yeah, it was very, very good scene for me. Yeah. Justin. So I have a question before my point. So when the first round of ships came through from Earth Alliance, and they announced their intentions, you know, you know, this is you know, this is Captain So and So, prepare to be boarded. 
and then the second wave came through after the battle. Did they not use the same, like, Captain same Smith? Same exact. Same exact. This language. is Captain Smith. Prepare to be boarded. Yes. It was, like, the exact same Exact same language. Thing. That's what I thought, too. And, yeah. like, the exact same name. And I, I thought when that happened that maybe the other ships didn't know the other ones were coming. Because it was literally identical. So, like, they came through... They fought. And, and they then, said, this is Captain Smith, right. prepare to be boarded. I don't, I don't think and so. And then the next one came through and almost said, this is Captain it Smith. Said it was the exact same language. So it, what it led me to believe was like, they didn't know that they were both descending upon Babylon well, 5. Well, no. I thought it was more of like a production error. No. I like they just used the exact same script and the exact same voice. I, I'd have to go entries. back and look at the scene again. Yeah, but I could also argue that if that is truly the case... There a lot of times you see this on other military shows. They'll record the message and just keep looping. Oh man! Yeah. So it's just like okay, record it in case they didn't pick it up or they didn't hear it. We'll just loop it back and forth. Well, I was yeah. gonna say, I, I think the the language was basically the same, but I'm pretty sure they were. Were they different? Yeah. Voices, different voices. Voices. The second guy yes. was like Captain Drake, or right? Something like. But oh, the language, Drake. Yeah. But what he said was Drake. 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 No, yeah. it was, okay, hang on. I looked it, it up. Okay. He's got the script. Right. Hold up the script. Okay, the, it was Dexter Smith of the Agrippa gave the original order to surrender. Okay. So they dispatched Drake, that. So Smith and then Drake. I think so. And then it was... Drake. Roshi does that. It sounded like the same voice to me. It though. wasn't the same voice, but it was the same exact Maybe. language. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... I just, yeah, it was, a, it was uh, Captain Drake. Jump okay, Jesse. I misheard it. That's part for the course. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're trained to do something, yeah. you're trained to, this is how you do it, this is what you say. It's like an officer. They read you your Miranda, and you can't, like... If you say it wrong, the yeah. legal guy's going to get you. Exactly. So you can't you can't make up your own stuff. You have to be very direct, and I can see why they would, why they would you know, train that way. So it makes Justin. sense to me. Well, and so then going back to what... You know, and I 100% I accept that. Um, it was just something maybe I, in watching a couple times, it all kind of blended together for me. But um, 100% what Nicole was saying, like for Sheridan, allowing anybody who wants to leave for Earth, even all their Night Watch prisoners from the last episode, putting them on trans and sending them back to Earth, knowing very well that they may very well have to face these people in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas there's a lot of times where how many leaders would just sit there and be like, kill all of them. Mm -hmm. And Sheridan is like, no, send them back. Anyone who doesn't want to be here, send them out. And then honestly, like the, the one time I did kind of tear up a little bit during this episode was the final scene where you know, Bono was like, "There's something you have to see," oh, yeah. and they bring him out to the to the marketplace. He's not and a, then people are giving him yeah. like, the slow clap. The one guy, the yeah, slow clap, that and you know, and everything like that. But and then just you know, lastly, I have to give a shout out to Xavier Montoya of Mars mm-hmm. for saying "fuck a you" to Earth. <laughs> and <laughs> honestly, that's a quote from the script. <laughs> yeah, it's a quote from the script. He. He legitimately, in his message to Earth, says, fuck you, we're done. And the fact that Mars is indeed saying, we're not going to deal with this anymore, knowing exactly what was going to happen and the horrible things that did happen, like, I give credit, free Mars, I raise my fist up, free Mars, (laughs) and can't wait to see how they become more involved in this. I think the proof, though, is 
where you know Sheridan was saying, oh no, you know Clark is already overextended and he can't afford for this or that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he, you know Sheridan as right as he usually is, he he got it wrong. Like that's underestimating your enemy. Surprise that he would just bomb Mars over yeah. just simply not wanting to implement his you know illegal martial and law just law. almost committing genocide in the process. Basically, yeah. Just a couple more things about the battle that I kind of noticed um, when I think somebody already mentioned the look between Ivanova and Sheridan when she went out to the Star Fury. Mm-hmm. He he told her no, and she's like, one of us has to be there, and like they had that look. And they knew one of them might not survive, you know? And then when he's like, eject, eject, and she's like, no, I can take it. And he's like, do it, you know? So that was kind of crazy. But what, one thing I thought, I wrote it down, I thought was really sweet. Garibaldi got hurt, obviously. My man Garibaldi, which sucks. But Zach was taking care of him and helping mm-hmm. him. And I wrote that down. I was like, Zach is taking care of him. Aw. <laughs> like, Did he call him chief? Yeah, oh, and yeah. it was so sweet. It was such a tender moment. Like, any question that anybody... Oh, wait, yeah, sorry. Um, any question that anyone might have had about Zach before that it was completely annihilated because he was the one that was taking care of him, and he was really gentle with him. And well, Zach's it's back okay, on the light okay. side of the force. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I thought that was Zach such a... Is back I thought, <laughs> But I thought that was, I just thought that was a sweet, a sweet moment. And then, I don't know if you guys noticed this, too. When Delenn and Sheridan were having their moment, he was kissing your hand. Are we back out. to the shipping now? No, no, no. This is something different. So, She's out in the background, if you see Ivanova come in, and uh-huh. her and Garibaldi are hugging, or her and Franklin mm-hmm. Garibaldi are all talking, and this and that, and it was just, it was just really, a, a, a like kind of like a, a, a moment of like relief and tenderness between all of them. And then when they came up to Sheridan and them, and at the end when they're all standing with their arms around each other, they're all gonna smash. No, no, no. But orgy. I'm not talking about <laughs> smashing. I'm just talking about a tender moment between friends. It's a beef. So, no, but did anyone else notice that in the background of them, or am I crazy? No, no, I noticed. That's yeah. one of the things I love about these kind of shows. We talked about budgets and how it's really hard to get these actors in. West Wing was actually really good about this, too. Yes. You would have characters in the background who are call sheet number one, two, three, and four, who really get paid a lot more than everybody else, but you would stick them in the background to do yeah. that kind of stuff just to kind of give depth to the scene. It's, and it's almost like an Easter egg, yep. you know, to kind of notice that. Like, I was, obviously I was fixated on them, but then I looked over and I was like, oh, look at them in the back. Like, you know, Sheridan, or uh, Garibaldi and Ivanova are seeing each other for the first time after the battle. They're hugging, high-fiving, whatever, and then Franklin's there. And then when they come up and they're like, ahem, and he's kissing your hand. It was just, it was just funny. Like, it went from tender to funny. And then at the end, when Emily brought it up, they were all clapping. When they're all just kind of sitting there, like, with his, he had his arm around Delenn and they were all behind, a, behind him. I was like, that's got to be like a billboard picture or like <laughs> the next like on the cover. But, because but did you see at the it, back of it what happened? And yes, the, the, poster the poster was ripped. Well, the poster was ripped, but read the poster. It said traitors lose or what it said. It was the traitor one, right? It yeah. Was, Anybody? It was the one that that dickhead put Traitors up. can't hide. Yes. Yeah. And then and the then here's the whole thing we were just talking about. To these guys yeah. in this Zocalo... Half the Earth thinks that they're traitors, yeah. and so you you see like this. Yes, yes, we're happy, we're excited, we, we've we've separated, we're okay, everyone survived for the most part. But then behind them, traitors yeah. can't hide. But, but you're ripped. all still fucked. But they're all but, traitors. But they they ripped it down like fuck you, we're not traitors. Sure, but to Earth, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, I think that's what the I think that's what the what they're trying to show there is. Yes, they have this moment to breathe. 
But well, that, that moment's going to pass. Or Earth's still coming at you. Yeah, but that yeah. poster's been there for a while because that one scene oh, with the guy, oh, the shopkeeper. Oh, yeah, sure. You know? I'm just saying, I think... Shown yeah. without reason. Yeah, yeah. That, that they're telling you, okay, they're having a moment of respite here. Right. After three long episodes. Right. But traitors can't hide. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, if you think that that's the end, like... Oh, Sheridan kicked the shit out of a couple. Yeah. yeah, they kicked the shit yeah. out of a couple ships, and everything's gonna be peachy. Well, yeah, like, you know, shit's about to get ugly. But I, I did like how they ripped it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we might be traitors in your eyes, but like, yeah. it was like to me, it symbolized them. Like everyone else besides that main core group, mm-hmm. everyone else was kind of like taking a stand. Oh, yeah. It was a with, fuck you with earth. The, yes, Absolutely. exactly. And that's what I liked about it. Mm-hmm. I reminded of the V where they go in and start just spray painting mm-hmm. all the posters, which I know is an homage to which Jesse didn't well. say it right. A fuck are you, Earth. <laughs> there we go. Like, <laughs> so I want to go back to it was brought about the uniforms for the boarding, boarding party. Yes, yes. And JMS talked about that, and they wanted the uniforms to be something familiar, kind of a our side uniform. So it's pretty much the same uniform that was in Gropos. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Is what they too. is yeah. what they wore, and he Those said green that ones, it, the fatigues. Yeah, and he says, you know, there aren't many black and whites on this show. It's all grays or sometimes olive drab. You know, they did not want to. This was an intentional choice not to have like a sinister stormtrooper-looking uniform for Earth in this. Yeah. You know, these were very clearly meant to be the same people we've already seen. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there that that was in there. But you also mentioned Garibaldi in that scene with Zach. Um, he broke. He actually had a pretty nasty break in his uh, arm and wrist during that. And if you actually watch when he drops, I believe when he drops the gun and he's sliding down the wall, as JMS puts it, if you watch his arm closely enough, his wrist is moving in ways that was never biologically intended to move. Oh, shit. So like the actor fucked himself up. Yeah, Jerry Coyle was actually seriously injured. Got hurt. Yes. Yes. Well, that's the other thing too. No, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, he was legit hurt, but he did. uh, JMS offered to like stop production to go get it looked. And Doyle's like, nope, we're not delaying. We're running behind. Get it done. Wow. I gotta rewatch this now. The, yeah, Severed Dreams is worth rewatching several times. Yeah. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind too on this is you're looking at this if it was the 1990s. Season one, Sinclair leaves. Season two, or season three, Talia leaves. So you're looking at this entire aftermath, and you're wondering to yourself as a viewer, okay, did any one of our guys get hit? And then you see Garibaldi down. So it's. It, I'm not gonna lie. I wondered. Yeah. I wonder if he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Better fucking not. <laughs> he was walking around with a cane at the end. If Garibaldi dies, we riot. Yeah. That's we another riot t- Hashtag another t-shirt. Remember, yes. Garibaldi must suffer. I love Garibaldi. I don't care. He's not <laughs> suffering my eyes. Anything else you all want to bring up before we go into questions, predictions? I just want to say something about, you know, this episode with, with guest stars. Yeah. I mean... Between Bruce McGill and Phil Morris, you know, playing the you know, essentially the uh, the first officer on um, on uh, Hague ship, and Rance Howard playing David Sheridan, Kim Miori playing Captain Hiroshi, like this was, uh, and and the director, you know, David Eagle. This this was like just a perfect culmination of all kinds of stuff. You know, great writing all coming together for making my favorite episode of the series, um, and how how much weight this has on so many different facets. I mean, it's taken us nearly two hours to talk about this episode. Well, we could talk a lot longer. We could, 
I don't want to. Well, <laughs> real quick, because you mentioned the guest stars, and I alluded to it earlier. There's a reason why General Head died. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so Robert Foxworth, General Head, um, his agent booked him another show. He had a guest appearance on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a scheduling conflict. He's doing that. He's doing other things, so he couldn't come on. But I'm pretty sure that is probably a reason why JMS said, okay. It get, oh, no. It's, it's exactly better. why. Yeah. Because they, he was at... So Don't look ahead. What are you Fox, doing? You're cheating? So Foxworth no. was actually... I've seen this bit. Uh, Foxworth was actually booked on Dia or on Babylon 5 first. Yep. And then when this conflict came up, technically B5 had first option because they booked him first, but because Star Trek was a two-parter, Homefront and Paradise Lost, Which are as Admiral Layton, great episodes. Yes. And basically, he's like, well, that's a two-parter and more money, and his agent had him take the Star Trek gig, even though he, they had booked this one first. So JMS basically said the reason Haig died was he made his choice. He picked which show he wanted to go with. You're done. And then said, P.S., don't piss off the writer. Damn. I'll bet Paramount was paying a little more, too. <laughs> well, and there's also a fun bit out there where they film, well, where's General Haig? And the guy who plays Ryan goes, well, General Haig had to go beyond DS9. Yeah. You know, his agent double booked him. And it was like a fun, a fun little uh, bit that was actually a really good cut. Can I play this on here, Scott? Yeah, um, I'll have to punch it back in and go for it. Okay. Where's General Haig? General Haig is doing Deep Space Nine. <laughs> It seems he was double booked by his agent and there's nothing to be done. So you have to do with me, sir. <laughs> they showed me that after I watched okay, the episode. I was like, I was like, you, you they showed me that after I watched the episode. I got a question after the whole angel thing. I got to question you every now and then. No. We showed to him after okay. we, he watched the episode. All out, all out. And that was, that was great. It is interesting that, you know, I know, I know the, the major in this structure is usually a, you know, attaché to a general, but it's interesting that the commanding officer of, you know, the Alexander now is actually, you know, of a lesser rank than even Ivanova, because yeah. it would come in in between lieutenant and lieutenant commanders where major sits. So, I mean, he's actually kind of a, you know, low rank, lower ranked guy to be, you know, the captain of a ship. Now in command of a battleship. This and, actually- and, from, and the, the rank insignia on Phil Morris's character is lieutenant. So mm-hmm. you got... You know, basically almost two lieutenants. <laughs> yeah. This actually came up on Twitter like yesterday, and we're recording this a few weeks in advance, where JMS was asked, because there's another character who we have not met yet, who gets promoted, but when you look at the scale from going from Navy to Army, that person actually gets promoted into the exact equivalent title, an OS 6. And he said, well, what happened was we just basically merged the uh, ranks around to make it kind of fit the future, but also it's ranks that people understand. If you had all the minor ranks in between, it would confuse people. So that's why they went with the major ranks. Well, they did the same thing in Battlestar. Yes. 100%. Like, you and know, Star Trek. where a commander was the captain of a battleship and a colonel was the XO. Mm-hmm. So it's, yep. it's, it's not unheard of. Yep. 
Good. I just wanted to point out that I was very excited that I finally knew who a guest star was, Bruce McGill. Because all you Star Trek people are like, this person is this person, and this person is this person. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I never know who the guest stars are. So when I saw Bruce McGill, I was like, I fucking know him. I was so excited. I finally knew who the guest star was. So I just had to point that out. We're glad you had a moment. I did. I did on a plane, too, by the way. So... Poor people you sat I know. next to. Right? They must have hated me. I don't give a shit. I'm impressed you weren't called off the plane by, you know, people with badges and zip ties. <laughs> I was probably the least of their worries. Thank God it wasn't that bombing episode. Oh, oh God. Yeah. I watched Babylon Square on a plane once. That was great. I had Zathras on my screen. I'm sure people were wondering what the hell that was. <laughs> Emily, did you have them? Um, I wanted to talk about Jakar helping Jalin at the beginning with the Membari agent. Because he just kind of comes out of the shadows, and I was like, damn, Jakar's sneaky. Because, <laughs> like, they're having this conversation, like, how are we going to get him? And he just steps out like, I can help. And I was like, are you supposed to be there? Spying on them? What's happening? You know, and then he picks him up and carries him off. And I was like, yeah, I can carry him as far as you oh, need. I was like, damn, dude. I bet that was a dummy Oh, yeah. That he picked 100%. up. Okay, it kind of looked like They actually yeah. showed behind the scenes for Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy 3 where, and it's in the trailer, and the movie's been out for a while, Nebula picks up Star-Lord, and it's like a 30-pound dummy. Yeah. And he yeah. Lo- it looks really creepy. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure they did the same about yeah. that. But, you know, to your point with Jakar, kind of, and Nicole's point with Garibaldi and Zack, one of the things I love is a through line through this episode, even though it's very much civil war, we're going to war, a lot of people are dying. There's a through line of humanity throughout mm-hmm. that starts with that Jakar scene. Yeah. Delenn brings that guy back, and Jakar is asked by Delenn, how far can you carry him? As far as you need me to. And we end the show, basically, with Zack and Garibaldi helping each other out, and everyone else helping each other out. So there's a through line of that humanity throughout. Yeah. Which Sheridan talks about, mm-hmm. you know, in, in his uh, first... You know, speech with the CNC before he does his you know hologram speech is like our humanity. His skeletal speech. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Humanity, you know, got us into this, and it, it'll probably get us out of it. So, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, we are going to go around and talk to our newbies about questions and predictions they have not watched past Severed Dreams. So, this will be their chance to talk about what they think is going to happen next, and also ask any questions that are lingering for them. We'll then kick them out the airlock or the garage at this point and talk. Talk with Blake, Kevin, myself, and Mike about those questions and predictions and any other spoiler stuff that they may have missed or uh, Easter eggs that they have missed. And then uh, we'll come back next week to talk about ceremonies of light and dark. So let's go around the horn to the newbies. Nicole, questions, predictions. Uh, so will we see Ryan again? Uh, will Clark keep sending people? Will more people show up to support Babylon 5 and join in the fight against them? Um, and then, is there going to be, obviously they have the Narn and the Mimbari helping them, are there going to be any other alien races that come, kind of join in with them? And then predictions, oh, Sheridan Delenn, definitely going to smash, 100%. It was happening. And if they don't, I'm going to be pissed. Um, I wanted to see them do it on those diagonal bets. Yeah, yeah. It's going to sound like sounds. thunder. Yeah, it's going to yeah, sound like thunder. The corn's going to get fixed. Oh, no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's it for me. 
We, yes. did, we didn't even talk about how Sheridan's mom is 100% in jail. <laughs> yeah. She's not in the grocery store. <laughs> That's the other thing, too. To Nicole's point about everyone on the other side is assholes. I know you didn't mean that. But yeah. Even, Just the military. Even her, even her dad says, <laughs> the neighbors like us for some reason. We'll be fine. Which he basically is saying, again, without saying is, if the troops come, neighbors are going to get their guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're going to have a fight on their hands. But, yeah, Sheridan's mom is in jail. I 100% agree. So prediction, Sheridan's mom is in the pokey. Okay, Jesse. Um, I need to know why Clark is still in power if it came out that he assassinated the last president. Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> Alternative <laughs> facts. Because he said we had, he a guy, we had a guy impeached twice, and then people still loved him. Yeah. And the guy they who still do. and the guy who said I can go out and on uh, what, what did he say Wall shoot Street? Shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. Fifth right? Avenue. Thank you. I can go shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get me votes. Yeah. Okay. But he said he could. He didn't say he did. And this. I mean, they basically came out and said it. This dude killed the last president. Fake news. Alternative uh, facts. They, they, this Babylon Five guys leaked it. Christ. <laughs> okay. Aren't they traitors? <laughs> they are. All of them. Um, I, for my predictions, Jakar is definitely in the inner circle. Of <laughs> 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 what? Who's he going to smash? Who, uh... The inner circle. He's, he's going to smash the whole inner circle? No, he's not smashing any. I'm not in the hole. So he's, he's passing just, on everything. They're accepting him into the inner smash circle. Smash a pass. No. Jakar version. <laughs> Zach Allen, smash. Holy shit. It's time to go home. Um, okay, so prediction. Usually at this point, I would just have to walk my ass into my bedroom, but it's drive. Now you gotta drive. Um, so Jakar is definitely in the inner circle at this point. Um, <laughs> thanks, Mike. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There may be some ships of tears that may answer that question. Go um, okay, what else do I have? Um... That's it. The Earth is gonna come and try to take the absolute shit out of the. <laughs> the Earth is gonna smash B5. <laughs> <laughs> with a big old strap on. Here it comes. B5 is the strap on. What are you talking oh, about? Oh no! It kind of does look like it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> like Do thing. you really want to hurt me? Dude, you got the hood on. Now, but what so. about the? What about the energy dissipators on the side? Which, by the way, no, they're not solar panels. They're energy dissipators. But what about those things on the side? That's going to be kind of painful. Well, it's kind of like doing needle for the first time. If you just, oh, fold, the mirror, if you okay. just fold the mirrors in, oh, then you get Yes, Justin, tell us more about anal. Oh, oh, God. This is the second time I've heard them. <laughs> okay. So, Justin, <laughs> questions, predictions, please. Hold on, I need a second. It's falling apart, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's getting late. Oh, I need a minute. Okay. We've been in this uh, garage far too long. Uh, so what do we call Sheridan now? Daddy. Is he still cat? No, he's daddy. He's daddy. He doesn't right. me anymore. Daddy. Is that his official title? No, daddy he's Sheridan. still daddy. Sheridan is daddy. Oh my god, that's a short for YouTube. What do we call Sheridan now, daddy? <laughs> but is he still captain? Because he left behind his uniform. He says, I'm not going to put it on again until this is all over. Which is another important scene. But he's still the military governor of Babylon 5. And he's the ambassador for Earth. And he's a cat ish. Or is he like the president of Babylon 5? What do we call him? I don't know. I think it's a question for future episodes. We should Maybe. See. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with my track record, I'll fucking find out next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're gaslighting the shit out of you. Yeah. You're probably right. 
How many other colonies are, or unaligned worlds are going to join up with Babylon 5, Proxima 7, Mars, and Orion 3? Um, will there be some kind of official alliance uh, between them? Like, will they form their own federation? Mm. We don't do that here on Babylon 5. Okay, I'm sorry. Federation was the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> Confederation. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, they form their own country. Let's say that. Um, and then... I already handled that earlier. I mean, honestly, predictions, I think this is going to get a lot harder before it gets easier. Mm. The dark, you know, the night is darkest right before the light. So. You are, well, since you are literally halfway through the show right now, pretty damn close. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so. that's, that's probably a given at this point. We are on episode 11 of season three. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, shit's going to escalate even further. <laughs> and then um, the warrior cast seems to be... I don't know. I feel like the warrior cast may may be in line with the shadows. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're a bunch of assholes. You know, yeah, so and but unlike other parts, they're losing power oh. because the lane just took two thirds of their forces to go support Babylon Five. Well, technically, Clark just lost a whole bunch of his yeah. forces too. So, so will there be a civil war among the Minbari? And Jesus, we don't need another one. <laughs> we don't There's wars one. going on all over the galaxy now because of the shadows and because of the Clark regime. So, how much more fucker use can we handle? Jesus. Okay, Emily, questions, predictions. Of course, I have to call it Justin. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Um, I'm gonna steal his phrase and just say shit's gonna escalate. That's my prediction. Because. <laughs> It is. Um, <laughs> we know that. We I don't need no evidence. It is. I need that. Um, I do have questions, though, about which of the Mimbari Council sided with Dylan, because we did see someone walking away and another person on the council trying to bring them back, mm-hmm. which actually made me think they might have been from the warrior cast. Because we know the warrior, like Naroon, he's a fuckwad, yeah. wasn't going to side with her. And I was wondering if it was one of the other warrior cast walking out, and it was him trying to pull the person back. So and that's why there were only, staff. and that's why there were only three left in the room. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. And I all, that's good. Yeah, I, and I was really sad she didn't uh, break that staff in half and then smash someone in the face with it. So, Whack! Yeah, I seriously thought she was gonna like throw that. So she's pretty badass though. That staff is fair. I know fit, that. And she's just like. Bam! Yeah, that was badass. She's like, hold it. Yeah, so that's it for me. All right, well, that will end it for us here on the discussion of Severed Dreams. We'll be back next week for Ceremonies of Light and Dark. And for those who have already seen the entire show or don't care about spoilers, stick around after the credits and you will find Blake, Kevin, Mike, and I in a different place talking about all these questions and predictions. So be sure to click all the likes, subscribe, follows, all those buttons, check out all the links, and please leave a review if you can. And again, if you can go all the way, please be sure to check out our Patreon. So until next week when we talk about ceremonies of light and dark, I am Scott, and with me has been... Right. I'm Nicole. Kevin. Jesse. Hail screw. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> Emily. <laughs> I don't have a full sign off. Sorry, guys. This is what happens when we have a lot of booze. Bye, everyone. It's not the booze. Is this what you... Had...
any booth, by the way. Is this what you wanted? Those who like, we want to see their faces. Is this what you wanted? We are. I have a face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) No offense. How many assholes do we have on this podcast? Yo! Yo! Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared approved or licensed by warner brothers or any other owners of the babylon 5 copyright all clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders they are included here for purpose of review and no infringement is intended the opening closing themes are available from falling matter on youtube and what's out there the rim and beyond that the truth Welcome back to Beyond the Rim again. Final warning, this is your spoiler section. So if you have not watched Past Severed Dreams or don't remember what happens past Severed Dreams, this is an area where you should jump off. If not, we're going to go ahead and answer all the questions and predictions that the folks did uh, ask during our live Severed Dreams discussion. As you can see, uh, with me tonight is Blake and Kevin. We are recording this after we did the group session because we didn't want to go sneak off into a room and have this done while the... uh, newbies were still around and actually mike decided he wanted to take a trip to australia in between there and now so he's not with us tonight but guys let's go ahead and drop into the questions here and we have the first one is will we see ryan again i'm assuming they mean major ryan and not our friend from yum yum pod yeah no we'll see i think we'll see ryan again but not major ryan no yeah major ryan doesn't come back it's a shame, too, because I really do like Bruce McGill, but no, mm-hmm. he didn't show up again. He's absolutely a great character actor, and he uh, he does well in this role, but uh, I think we can assume. And there's no, I, I looked at the uh, the wiki just to see if there's like any kind of extended information. I couldn't find anything. So after the Battle of B5 Independence, he just disappears into the ether. Do they ever mention the, sh- the Alexander again as part of the, the uh, war? Because I don't remember them mentioning it either. It says, after the liberation of Proxima Three in 2261, the Alexander returned to Earth Alliance space and was one of the rebel destroyers that volunteered to remain to protect the population from counterattacks. So they st- last we heard about them, they were protecting Proxima Three, and that was it. Okay. So next question we've got is, why is Clark, oh, I'm sorry, will Clark keep sending more people to Babylon 5 to try to take it back? No, because those uh, Minbari destroyers are pretty pretty bulletproof. Yeah, I mean, we'll see next week that there's still some internal folks that will try to overthrow things from the inside. But I kind of mentioned this too. I still just don't think that B5 to Clark is his biggest priority. No. I get that it's going to be his downfall, but he doesn't know that. I think his biggest priority is still the inner colonies specifically mars and babylon 5 is a nuisance he has to swat at every now and then mm-hmm. 
No, I mean, he will set up. There's a couple episodes where they talk about there's been some blockades set up around jump gates and mm-hmm. different things. So we'll see some of that. But as far as like a direct frontal assault on B5, again, no, Clark doesn't send anything like that. So this is coming from somebody who I don't think has studied World War II history too much. But why is Clark still in power? Once the fascist gets in power, it's kind of hard to... Uh get them out i mean he's got his you know the military as the commander-in-chief he's got night watch he's got um you know quite a few um quite a few forces at his disposal to be able to uh, employ to to retain power and it's going to take quite a bit to get him out uh including him putting a bullet in his head yeah, I mean, and he spent over two years getting ready for this moment. I mean, he pulled the trigger too soon, but he's been waiting. I mean, we saw this with the political arm, putting people in place all over the, you know, sectors to make sure that they have their people where they need them. And they have been building towards this moment. So, And, and really, also- his first downfall was major downfall was bombing mars if he had not bombed mars Mm -hmm. things would not have gone the way that they did and he would not have lost the colonies at that point anyway yep um, including babylon 5 Mm -hmm. so that was his major screw up and you could definitely make a couple of uh comparisons to hitler's screw-ups um that caused him to to lose the war uh to that i mean uh attacking russia probably is the most obvious one mm-hmm. and i'm guessing yeah. jms may have had that in his mind since he he talks quite a bit about uh allusions to world war ii mm-hmm. but you know the two-front war in world war ii versus you know opening up another theater with mars is definitely a uh a major blunder on his part on the character's part yeah just some additional comment on this i won't get into it on our recording here but i may uh when we drop this put some additional thoughts on our discord uh Mm. for those that are on our discord server talking about this question about Clark staying in power and even looking at it in a more contemporary sense um, with some of the analysis that we've seen uh, post-2020. So I may put some of that in the Discord server for discussion there uh, for additional content as well. So those of you who are on there, check that out. And if you would like to get access to that Discord server, check it out through our Patreon as well. Yep. Anyone who donates to our Patreon gets access to the Discord. The only other thing I was going to add to all this is Clark still has the Psycor and he still has the Shadows. Now, the side core, really, he, they're not his ally. They're using him just as much as everybody else. But when mm-hmm. you have a very powerful agency in terms of side core and you have the shadows, it's another little way that you can hold on to power longer than you should as well. So now that Sheridan has taken off his uniform, and again, the newbies haven't watched uh, the next episode yet to see what happens next with that, but... Now that Sharon has taken his office off his uniform, what do we call him? Is he still the ambassador on B5? Is he now the president of B5? Is he daddy? We don't know. What are we going to call him? I mean, I'm okay with that last one. <laughs> daddy but, you know, he could definitely be daddy, but I be- he's pretty much stays with Captain Sheridan until yeah. he becomes president of this little Earth Alliance, this little interstellar alliance thing. 
that they form uh, in season five. Yep. Yep. I think at this point, titles don't matter. He's still in charge. Everyone recognizes his authority. So his title really doesn't matter. A leader of the, uh, uh, the conspiracy of light, I guess now the army of light, but, and the one who will be, but that's for another day. Will more humans show up to join the fight alongside B5? Yeah, I mean, there's other, well, we're going to see more of the Rangers involved where there's going to be more humans involved in the Rangers, but also uh, there will be other forces from Earth Alliance that break away and join with uh, with B5 when it comes time to go whoop Clark's ass. So yeah, there's going to be more that join them. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while for that to come to fruition, though, because most of the uh, the shadow shadow stuff is going to be in between that. It's a sh- it's a shame that we don't go right into the the Earth stuff. Not that I'm not interested in the in the shadow stuff, but um, the the Earth stuff is way more interesting to me for whatever reason. See, now I know Mike's not here, but I love the fact that for him it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. He's more into the space opera stuff, and you're more into the internal politics. It's a good little. Uh, dichotomy there. So are other races going to join the Narn and Mimbari in helping B5? Yeah, because that's going to be the genesis of going from the League of Non-Aligned Worlds to the Interstellar Alliance, mm-hmm. is they get the League Worlds to sign on to uh, what they call it, the Babylon 5 Treaty or something like that. Yeah, to defend Babylon 5. Yeah, to defend mm-hmm. Babylon 5 uh, so to set up a portion of the Non-Aligned. So you'll see the Brakiri, you'll see the other races that are there join in that which goes back to our previous question too the other reason why clark doesn't send a force is because it's not just the mimbari it's a whole bunch of races blockading Mm -hmm. Babylon five yeah they had some sort of mutual protection compact that comes in later on Mm -hmm. that you know was key to the beginnings of the interstellar alliance and the fact that that they saw it as so important for uh, Babylon five to enter into that it you know it it was absolutely key to the beginnings of it which goes into our next question will the races form their own alliance yes yes they will and earth will be a part of it that will be part of the uh the move in terms of the surrender of Clark and the the um the retaking of the earth alliances earth alliance will sign on to be a part of the interstellar alliance in fairness, though, wouldn't you after they buzz your capital with that many white stars? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sher- Sheridan is definitely a student of history, probably from his dad, and knowing that, well, what does his dad say? Don't ever start a fight, but always finish it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. How many more colonies are going to declare independence? I don't think we get it. I think all the ones we're going to know about are out there. Yeah, I'm sure there's some other outliers, but they're not important. Right. You've got the, the main ones, well, and really the only one that we care about as viewers truly is Mars. We will see mm-hmm. like the Battle of Proxima 3 and all of that, but really the one we care about is Mars. The other ones I think just kind of help to build that it's not just the solar system, it's outside the solar system too. But at this point, it's we know what's happening. So I don't think, it, I don't think we need to waste much narrative time talking about other colonies because it's already happened. On the flip side of that, will there be a Mimbari civil war now that the council has broken? Not a hot one for sure, but there is some internal strife there for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of the 
major plot points with Dillin and the Mimbari is the first the the warrior cast continuing to not support what's going on, but at the end of the day, it will be our good friend Nerun who will bring everyone back together. Which I love that arc of Nerun. It's kind of the same thing with Jakar. You know, you you, you hate the guy at the beginning. He's the must mustache twirling bad guy, and at the end, everyone's gonna cry when Nerun takes it. <laughs> well, and I would say it's a little bit of a hotter conflict too, because I mean, you've got that line from Delin about um, their cities in flames. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they flat out there's bombing, there's fight, then there's fighting in the capital. So there, it does reach to a certain point of conflict. Yeah. I don't think we ever see anything of the scale that we do of the Earth Civil War. Right. Um, with like Mimbari cruisers going at each other. I can't think of a scene where they're doing that, but there are definitely references. There is fighting on the Mimbari homeworld. And our last question, because there was some question about who did we actually see leave the Grey Council? So which Mimbari members left the Grey Council? And to answer that question, I have a special guest, which is time traveling JMS from the internet back in the 90s because he did answer this question and that is jms says no five left the council with her and one can wonder did she turn down the position of leader of the great council which should be a balance for the role in order to eliminate the council and become the primary ruler that is what some of the warrior casts are bound to begin wondering after a while so the four warrior cast members stayed the five others left there was um quite a quite a funny story that i i was reading today about and i won't go into everything but apparently it took them quite a while for them to get the staff correct at first it will it looked like a toothpick that she was just breaking into and then they made it too tough so she had a really hard time couldn't break it it took quite a bit for them to get it just right in the middle so that she was able to break it and then it, it made a a nice capstone for that scene I do like the fact that it wasn't like, you know, a prop break. She had to put some effort into it. You can mm-hmm. see in her face that she was she was cracking that sucker. And Delin, I think that between the council scene and the later scene, Delin had some great moments in this episode. Oh, yeah. it's a this huge episode the, for her. This is one of the best Delin episodes we have. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's move into predictions, what the newbies think are going to happen next. And that first one you can assume where this one comes from. Delenn and Sheridan will smash. Yes, Nicole, there will be smashing. Yes, much smashing. Until, until Sheridan's ex-wife shows up, and that kind right. well, of throws a little curveball into the smashing. Un- unlike your theory about Kosh and Lita Alexander, <laughs> this one actually is definitely correct. But the child is not Zathras, unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately. Well, I do like the, the the courtship and the fact that, uh, like, much like the Sinclair thing with the Emily's tomatoes, Delenn's already started the courtship and she hasn't told Sheridan. The one of the main pieces of Mimbari culture is you have to watch your partner sleep three times, and she did that once already on the White Star. Sheridan just doesn't know it yet, which is kind of creepy. Now that you think about it. Hmm. Say so in our society we call that stalking. <laughs> We also have one more smash question, and that is, will Earth, or this is prediction, so the Earth is going to smash B5, which we already talked about. No. No. There will be no smashing of B5 and Earth. Sorry. This one I don't get. You know, the, 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 the newbies kind of went off on their little tangent, as they tend to do, 
And they took that Sheridan's dad's conversation with him meant that when his mom was out shopping, that his mom is in jail. And I never even, uh, if, if your wife has been captured by a fascist regime, regime you're probably going to look a little bit more worried yeah. than John yeah. Sheridan Sr. looks <laughs> in that well, video. He, he really didn't seem worried at all. In fact, no. he's like, yeah, the neighbors will protect us. It'll be okay. When I took it as that whole conversation was him talking in a in code basically because he knows mm-hmm. what's being monitored and he's he's basically saying she's safe don't worry yeah yeah she's out shopping they're having some trouble with the corn now I mean, of I course could, oh go ahead I could see where they might think that she was in jail and David Sheridan didn't know it yeah not John Sheridan senior you're correct David Sheridan yeah I don't know I mean again even it's I. I love the fact that they read into this stuff, but sometimes they read into this stuff a little bit too much. Yeah. That being said, Clark's regime will come after the Sheridans later on, but they haven't done it yet. Yeah. Jacar- this is okay for inside baseball. Uh, Mike did uh, a little bit of an oopsie before we started recording the group uh, uh, show for this one and said that Jakar was already a part of the inner circle. Now we know that that actually doesn't happen yet until Ship of Tears. But so because the, uh, the newbies heard that, Jesse wink, wink said, Jakar is now a part of the inner circle and that's her prediction. So, <laughs> oopsie, Mike. I, he's in the ante room of the inner circle. Yes, he's being used as needed. He's a utility player. But in, in Ship of Tears, he will realize that the Book of Jaquan has an answer to some of their problems, and Dylan and him will have will come to an understanding of what has happened previously. And I, that's one of my favorite scenes between the yeah. two of them when they're in Dylan's quarters. Yep. Yeah, that scene is powerful. We'll as as we've said before, Andreas Katsoulis can command any scene he's in, mm-hmm. and it takes a hell of an actor to be up against him. And Mira Furlan in that scene absolutely kills it in that scene with him i'm i'm not quoting verbatim because it's been a bit since i've watched it but Chikar's line of i will forgive but not today yeah the warrior cast may be in line with the shadows no we i can't remember where but i think there's somewhere where it is mentioned since the shadows dealt with the membari a thousand years ago they were the most advanced race here so they were involved in the previous war the shadows tend to leave them alone and they let they leave them to their own devices to an extent and we haven't found that out yet the newbies don't know yet that the mimbari well i guess lanier does mention that there was a war a thousand years ago but i think they they haven't realized how much the mimbari were involved in the last shadow war yet they'll get that soon and finally, the easiest prediction ever made by one of our newbies. <laughs> Shit's gonna escalate. Guys, is shit gonna escalate? Nope, it's boring for the rest of the entire series. <laughs> That's season five. We got some time before that. <laughs> well, it already kind of did, but yes, <laughs> it will escalate further. Yeah, Sheridan's gonna go to a little place called Zaha Doom, and uh, that's gonna be fun. But yeah, so that stuff's definitely gonna escalate. Ice. 
I think for me, season three, especially this part, is the strongest of the show. And a, a lot of people agree since Severed Dream is the highest rated episode of the entire series. But I'm, I'm a big fan of season four. I think season four is a great crescendo to the show as well, too. So I think we got a lot more ahead of us. And I'm also interested to see what happens with season five. Much like season one, I have a feeling I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a new perspective when we get to season five because of our newbies. But we've got about another uh, six to eight months before we get there for that. So we'll see. Anything else you guys want to talk about, about what Severed Dreams before we move on? Yeah, I I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, GMS and his writing with this particular episode. He said mm-hmm. it only took him two to three days, and it was the sh- one of the shortest uh uh, writings for for the series because it was so fresh in his mind but he said it was also the hardest mm. because he had built it up so much and then he got to this episode writing and he was worried that he'd be able to pull it off yeah it's like can i wrap everything to the extent that it's going to be wrapped in this episode am i going to be able to to show what i want to show and he was really clear in what i was reading about um wanting to show the costs of war which is why he talked or or showed the down below uh hand-to-hand combat because he didn't want there to be this you know jingoistic you know rah 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 we won we're all cocky now we beat earth you know kind of kind of thing going through and the other thing I wanted to mention about the the scene in Down Below is that yeah. Jerry Doyle uh, broke his arm mm-hmm. filming that, mm-hmm. and so you know they they give you a a little glimpse of that in the next episode with Ceremonies of Light and Dark because he he walks in and he's got a cast on his arm. That was a real cast that he actually had to wear, but he had to film that scene again after he broke it. Ow. And he told David Eagle, I might throw up, I might shit my pants, so we better do this now. <laughs> One <And> take he, Doyle. <laughs> hey, right. And so the reason he broke it, he tripped over an extra who fell and was in the wrong spot and he didn't <sighs> see him. So he fell over him and fell right down on his arm and broke it. Then the second time he falls and mess up his wrist. (laughs) (laughs) So when, when um, Zach is lowering him down to the ground, that look on his face is extremely real. Well, if you look at the position of his arm in that scene, as he's sliding down the wall, that's not a normal position for someone's arm. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I I love you just can't help but feel bad for Jerry Doyle in that moment. I mean, that's just, that is above and beyond, sir. I, I, I'm glad you also mentioned the whole that JMS doesn't like to be, you know, rah-rah. We talked about this with the newbies. My One of my favorite shots in this entire episode is when Sheridan gets pulled into the Zocalo to see that there are people happy and supportive of him after all of this. I do, I love the in the back the poster that's ripped that says traitors can't hide mm-hmm. because these guys are now traitors. 
And I know the newbies were kind of arguing with me on that, that actually it was tearing it to say that it's no longer Nightwatch there. But I, I, I absolutely see that as JMS saying that they will have to pay for this. This is going to come back. Um, you, I, you mentioned uh, JMS's writing. I'm currently reading um, Together We Will Go, which is a, a novel by JMS, uh, just a fictional, you know, contemporary novel. And he's got a character in there who's a writer. And you absolutely can tell that he's basically like embodying himself in this character. And the character talks about how there are times where he just closes his eyes and the the characters and the words will not let him sleep and will not let him rest until he puts pen to paper. And I, you can absolutely tell that that's JMS speaking on behalf of that character. So I have a feeling that the Severed Dream specifically was very much a, he could not stop <laughs> until it was done. Yeah, there were a few episodes that he told everybody, if you bother me, you mm -hmm. are in deep shit. And this was one of them. He locked himself away for two or three days and was not seen because he had to get this out. He learned from exogenesis. He didn't want to take a break again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the other piece, too, to all this, you, you mentioned that it was he was worried about getting all these uh, threads put together for this episode. This truly is, along with uh, Ceremonies of Light and Dark being kind of an epilogue, this is a new pilot because the show is never the same yeah. after this. We have new uniforms, we have a new paradigm, we have a new uh, conflict, we have new characters coming on board as we go. This is, it's, it's a full reset. And the fact that he navigated that reset so well, says yeah. quite a bit. And also not just him, but the, the cast and the crew and how they navigated this and what really you could see as a movie from messages from earth all the way to ceremonies and light and dark this mm -hmm. is a b5 movie and they did a really good job yeah we'll probably talk about that a little bit in ceremonies of light and yeah. dark but you're absolutely right i mean the, the show is never the same it's a it's a different feel i mean there's there's a lot of differences going you know going forward mm -hmm. now with this show and it's 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 a welcome change not because we don't like what came before but because this this show has such great character development such great story development that it it's a it's a major change for the show mm -hmm. Blake, you got anything else you want to add? I think I'm good on this one because I know we talked about a lot of the behind the scenes stuff too because we did share with our newbies some of the different pieces that went into the production of this one. So I think we've covered that all in the main show. So I think now it's just full speed ahead into our next one. That Ivanova and Sheridan quick look on the bridge or the, the CNC, I should say, mm -hmm. the involvement of Corwin, you know, prior to that, um, it's it's hard for me to say that's my my favorite because there's so much in this episode that's so dense it's it's a great episode but that is the most powerful unspoken look in this show i think mm -hmm. because you know the two of them there's so much between and they just they don't have time mm -hmm. they don't they probably can't put it into words anyway but it's it's really powerful and it's so quick and it's a testament to those two actors that they can pull off that. Yes. Non, I, some, some of my favorite stuff in any work is when there's just no dialogue where you rely on the actors to just tell you what's going on. Um, and uh, the, yeah, that scene is absolutely one of those. 
Well, cool. Let's go ahead and wrap it up there for Severed Dreams. Thank you all for sticking around for us on this one. This was a momentous episode for us. We, As you saw earlier, we were all together for the first time. And also, uh, it's uh, one of our longer ones. So if you're sticking with us to the end, we really do appreciate it. Again, make sure to click that like, subscribe, follow, whatever you have in front of you. Click it. And then also check out all the links down below. As Blake already mentioned, we have an active Discord for through our Patreon. We are also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and threads, kind of. Uh, and so we're all over the place. You can chat with us there. And then hopefully you will join us next week for ceremonies of light and dark. I am Scott, and with me has been Blake and Kevin. Have a good one, folks, and uh, try to overthrow fascists whenever possible. Thank you. Good advice. Madness. Total and complete madness. Oh, we're screwed.